So hey, what is going on, everyone? It is me, Mr. Mario, and who do I got with me here? Uh, paranoid Coder, man. What's up? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. There's there's not a whole lot going on. Just, uh, you know, I decided to chill here at my home and uh, start to do in a, this this podcast live stream thing, Mod Chat, you might have heard of it. It'd be a cool experiment. Yeah, I, I was thinking it'd be good, and it looks like you're here next to me as well, too, so, you know, we can do this together. Dude, always. I was actually just reflecting on... Uh, Back when we did the separate rooms and whatnot. Yeah, I remember I that because I didn't, like, I just didn't have a proper space to do something like this. And then yeah. the old table was, well, I mean, you all saw the old table. It, yeah. was, it was small. We made it work, but. If you haven't, you should definitely go back and watch some of those episodes. They're still just as good. Hell yeah. And you had your nice uh, video game collection in the background, which is yes. pretty sweet. So. Yes. Yeah, I think we need, I don't know. There's not much of an upgrade we could do to the background here, but, you know, we've got some stuff on the table. Yeah, unless We're I want to, like, on. you know, like, cover up these windows, but then I'm covering up the windows, so at that point, you know, that's kind of pointless, but. Maybe you could put some scrolls over it. I could. Ooh. Just like some ninja scrolls or anime scrolls yeah, or man. something. Yeah, that's man. what you're talking about. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a pretty big show planned today we do yeah it wasn't supposed to be as long as we were going to be planning out here but then you know we had an okay amount of topics and we started do, doing a lot of notes and it just ended up kind of spiraling out of control i feel like that happens a lot it does it does but that's what happens when we know you know we do our homework and we find a lot of topics and then we yeah. want to put notes in there and everything so well i feel like it's also my fault too because i'm always like i get my collection of topics and i always slack putting them in the last minute mm-hmm. and i drop a bomb in the last couple days <laughs> i i understand yeah and then for me i kind of just i got really motivated one night and i was just like okay i'm going to start doing this here so i know it was very good it's very good it was nice and prepared so i came in caught up real quick it was good man yeah, for sure. Shout out to all the people who are already joining in here. I'm sure we're going to have more people. So I know like X41, he's saying get a green bra- backdrop and green screen yourselves into Jurassic Park. That'd Not be cool. Idea, dude. You, have you had a green screen ever? Uh, I mean, I did some green screen stuff in high school for a class, but oh. I've never owned one myself. That'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe we can experiment one of these. The days. one green screen video I did was horrible. Yeah, it was it was really bad. What, what do you mean? Was it cheesy or was the green screen not good? Both. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That'll both. Do <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Oh man, but yeah, there's a there's a few things that we want to talk about before getting into the topics as well. Uh, first of all, we're hitting a milestone here. Episode fifty. Yeah. Of Mod Chat. It's crazy, man. Episode fifty. You know, right before the show, I actually decided to look at the backlog. You have been a consistent co-host since episode thirty. Is that what it is? Because I actually went to go look back one day, and I, I remember I, I was having trouble figuring out like uh, when I actually started and when my first one was. Do you have any idea when my first one? So I don't remember the first one, but when I just briefly looked it up, um, starting episode 30, you became a permanent co-host. Episode 28, you were a guest with Daniel. Yeah. Okay. And then it was a few episodes before that, it had to be that you were a temporary co-host yep. for one yep. episode. So, yeah, dude, you've been on for 22 episodes at this point. 21 of them hosting. 22 months. Yeah. That's a lot, dude. I know. I know. It's crazy, man. It doesn't feel like that long at all, but that means it's good, right? That's the crazy thing, too. That means a good, that's a good thing, right? Dude, I remember I looked at like the title for episode 31 and I distinctly remembered us talking about the title, what we were going to do, because it was the one about the fried game cubes. Yeah. And we were thinking of like, okay, how should we that make this but make it engaging and what order should we do everything and you're like oh you got to do it like here so it sounds all con- not confusing but like you know fried game cubes what the hell is that yeah yeah no yeah. It, it, i feel like i feel like we've always been a pretty good team we have been real talk boom, boom. <laughs> all right man this is we got a lot to talk about and we got some new stuff to talk about so yes. why don't we start to jump into it absolutely the new stuff is in like you know the new stuff that we've done yeah 
Absolutely, yeah. So this is one thing, I, I want your all's opinion on this. Uh, this is something we were thinking of doing. This is actually your idea. Think yes. of doing this every episode. We can kind of just take a few minutes at the beginning here to talk about the modding stuff we've done right. in the past month. Either the things that we've done or kind of the modding debt that we've chipped away at. Right, and if we've, you've watched uh, more than once, you've heard me talk about my modding debt. The I modding think debt. It's a meme. <laughs> this, actually, I don't even think people have been memeing. I want that to be a forced meme. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, uh, basically this all started from, we have done this a couple times in the past, but we decided to kind of have a little mod party, get together, knock out some stuff, just have Hell some yeah. fun, have some pizza, some yeah, good pizza. I think we have pizza every time. It's, I think that's a thing. Yeah. It was, I mean, that goes well, right? It I mean, does. It does. Easy to eat, quick to put down, and, I mean, I don't know, it just fits. Truly. But, yeah, I think, um, basically, I proposed when we were doing this, it's like, man, we should do this, like, once a month, you know? We both have stuff that we want to do. There's new stuff coming out. I've got a lot of stuff I want to catch up on. So even if it's not brand, brand new stuff, I think we're going to try and get together once a month at least and really try and just hammer some stuff out, Hell talk yeah. about it, get our hands on it, and uh, be able to give our like you know first account on some of the stuff that's going on in the scene. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to cover the, uh, the Switch thing? Yeah, sure. Because you pretty much did the same thing I did. Because I, I kind of did this, and I was like, hey, Devin, this is what I did, and then you did it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, first of all, um, see, I think I hadn't really been messing with my Switch much. I had kind of set it up with XS, uh, SXOS uh, back when we first did this, which I don't remember what episode we talked about this in, but we did uh, mention kind of like that we had actually taken the plunge with our XS, SX dongle. Jeez, too many letters S-X. in this. SX. SX <laughs> dongle. And uh, so... AKA fake atmosphere. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, basically, we wanted to just kind of, like, update our stuff. You had kind of done that, too. So, you know, I, there wasn't much to it. Honestly, if you're behind on the Switch scene and maybe you have an outdated, stale Switch like I did, it's not hard to get caught up. It's really easy. Um, sadly, switch.hacks.guide isn't up to date right now. Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah, no. if, you, if you go look, they even make a note on the site. Um, so I, I can't wait till that guide gets up to date just to have that resource, have that one central location to have such good information but um if you are wanting to kind of uh get a good starting point sdsetup.com was Mm -hmm. a really good reference uh not only is this um a place that you can kind of get a custom built sd card setup basically where you can kind of pick and choose some of your homebrew uh, which most of it really comes with cosmos um, but it also has a guide, a nice little wiki there that kind of uh, fills the void of switch.hacks.guide at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we basically sat down, uh, updated it. I played around with SXOS, got that updated, and also took the plunge into Atmosphere. It, it was funny because I had set mine up or like my switch because I had updated it from 300 to 6.2 and I got Immunan set up on there. And I'm keeping mm-hmm. it offline, but I wanted to set it up like, hey, this is the optimal online offline setup just right. to see. And unfortunately, SXOS, it's the only OS out there that it runs uh, XCIs. It's the only one that has Immunand at this point as well, too. Publicly, of course. Yeah, but it was funny because I set up all this. And when I told Devin about it, I told him I was using SXOS. He just looked at me like, why? Ew. <laughs> yeah. Why are you using that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed, you know, especially with how far our atmosphere has come. But it, 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 I think it provided a really good opportunity. I it think did. you, you have, did. you know, you've been in SXOS land for a while now. You've been playing around with it. So Just I because took, it's easy enough to set up and get sure. in there. And then I have, like, my cartridges dumped to XCI already. And, so. and to be fair, SXOS, while, you know, morally speaking, there are some issues there. Maybe they steal a little bit of code here and there or a lot of bit of code. But um, I think uh, it's 
still runs well. I played around with it. I didn't have any issues. I don't think you've had any weird crashes or bugs that you can really uh, speak of that would break the experience. Uh, I think the only thing I've run into, I want to know if anybody's had this. For some reason, um, when I'm booted up into SXOS, I always notice that if I have an actual cartridge, if I pop it into my system, it does nothing. And after about 10 seconds, it gives me a could not read error. Mm. And then when I take it out and pop it back in, it's perfectly fine. And it's like that every time I load in a cartridge. I wonder if that has to do something with the way that XCIs are kind of like loaded into the cartridge like virtually. Yeah. Um, one, one night I had a friend over and he was just messing around with it. He wanted to see how it was. And he tried to break this and thankfully it didn't. But he had mounted a XCI and then took a cartridge and popped it in. And it was smart enough to unload the XCI and load up the cartridge. Well, that's good. Yeah. I, we, we were both pleasantly surprised about that. Overall, it's not really a, a kind of a deal breaker there. It's working well for you, which is good. But yeah. because you've been using SXOS, I decided, well, I will take the plunge. I will play around with Atmosphere a bit more. I'm going to kind of go that route. I didn't really need MUNAND. I'm probably going to set it up at some point, but you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't something I was in a rush to do. Um, so I kind of went that route. I updated my Switch to 6.2.0 as well. Um, and I've been playing around with Atmosphere a little bit, mainly with RetroArch, the official build now, which is nice. Yes, 1.7.6, right? Oh, I can't remember exactly. I think that's it. What's really nice is I got it all from the uh, NX App Store, uh, which has worked extremely well. Uh, it's kind of where, I think that's where I got RetroArch from in the first place. But um, I kind of like cleared out a lot of my SD card, made room for the fresh, fresh meaty homebrew. And um, I just kind of went from, you, know, you went from there. Um, so yeah, I've done that. And I was also, I don't know if we've actually talked about this on air, but a while back you had given me the N- NS Atmosphere dongle. Yes, I did. And so, if yeah, because got- I, I wanted a payload injector and I didn't want to just keep using the, the SX dongle. I'm like, I don't want, right. I don't want to keep using this. Right. So let me you try something else. And yeah, I got Atma- a um, NS Atmosphere. Right. So yeah. much appreciation for that because oh. it works extremely oh, well. Man. For those who don't know, the SX, uh, dongle itself actually uses a super capacitor to kind of power it so you actually use your switch or probably a computer or a battery pack if you have it to kind of charge up that capacitor and that's what uses the power to actually load the payload Um, whereas the ns actually has a small lithium ion battery or whatever kind of lithium battery it is Mm -hmm. uh and so that actually can hold the charge for a while, which I definitely prefer. I think that's awesome. Um, I have charged it once, and I haven't actually charged it again. Mm-hmm. So I've I've liked that as well too, just because using the uh, like you know right before I even showed you this, I'm um, using the SX dongle. It's like if the capacitors you know run out of charge, you have to plug it in, and then because I have you know MUNA and all that set up, I turn on the system, and then I don't have um, auto RCM on there. So right. unfortunately, my e fuses are blown. To me, I didn't care all that much about it in all honesty mm-hmm. that's why i just i just said you know i'm just gonna update my system regardless but no i had to plug it like turn on my system as normal plug it in for like five seconds make sure the green light came on turn off the system and then jig it put it into rcm mode and then i was able to boot up so because then you mentioned that because you're also not using auto rcm i'm not and i am now so i actually am on 6.2.0 without burning my fuses um I've been doing, being really diligent about turning off my switch when I'm done with it so it doesn't die because we both went through this once at least where our switches died with auto RCM on. Yes, we did. And it's yep. a little nerve-wracking because you plug that thing in and you get nothing. Yep. <laughs> so, yep. um, so we're basically kind of going two very different routes. You're going non-auto RCM SXOS and I am auto RCM'd with Atmosphere. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been fun to play around with it. 
overall, you know, if you ignore MUNAND uh, and XCI support, which I'm not really loading in any games right now, I really want this to be kind of like an emulation station. Right. Um, it's. I'll set up that as well too. But the first thing I did once I got everything updated, I was like, cool, all of my cartridge games. I have like 70 cartridge games. Or something. Mm-hmm. Everything dumped. Yeah, so, that's awesome. I got those all on hand now. But, um, you know, I, I think I can safely say, and I think you would agree, the NS Atmosphere dongle, uh, if you guys are been on the fence about getting it, it's awesome. I like it a lot. It's real easy to swap the payload. Although, I will say, I I was looking this up. Have you seen the Ace NS dongle? Mm-hmm. I would be more, if I could go back in time and choose one to purchase, I'd recommend that. Just because that one, you can load six different payloads onto Ooh. it. Yeah, that's the only downside with the NS dongle. Like it's well, the NS atmosphere, um, it works really well, but you can only flash one payload at a time onto it. So yeah, you're you're actually looking at it on your end. Yeah, are, are you sure it's six? Or I, th- I see three in one loader here. Uh, it's advertises three in one, but apparently you can do up to six. Oh yeah, maximum dif- up to six. There's six different settings. I don't know why they called it a three uh, in one loader. Built in three payloads: atmosphere, ray NX, and SX. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So basically you just like switch a button. Um, mm-hmm. This, you know, I'm not going to be hot swapping my custom firmwares. I think that's really cool. You know, I have no issue with people, you know, trying out different things like that. And if you have a need for it, that's awesome, especially with the SXOS. Maybe that'd be the one thing that would be really nice. Um, but this was really easy to swap the payloads out. Thankfully, we talked about this. Uh, the, you have to use a computer program to actually swap the payloads. But luckily, it's available on Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. So super easy to learn. And I didn't even know that it was available on those other two. I knew it was on Windows, but mm-hmm. thanks for letting me know of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I had no issue with it. It worked great out of the gate, and yeah. I've been having a good time with it. Right on. So now I just need to get all my ROMs loaded over, and I have basically the console that I was really hoping for when the Switch was announced. Hell yeah. Oh. Yeah, and you were also playing around with the App Store quite a bit, which I have not touched the App Store in mm-hmm. months at this point. So yeah, I even... You can download. You were telling me you could download themes and you can download custom firmware straight from there now, not just applications. Mm-hmm. Right, so I got That's the crazy. Ray NX uh, custom firmware and I was able to actually just like reboot into it from the live Switch and it worked awesome. just fine. That is awesome. Yeah, no complaints there. Cool. The other thing we also messed around with that night was uh, PSX ITR version 2. Which we talked about last episode. Yes, we talked about it. We decided to actually mess around with it. Mm. I had to get like three different drives. It was finally I got like a third flash drive that it ended up working on. Installed it quick enough. And then you were teaching me about Linux because I was like, I don't know how to do this. What do I do this? And then we were trying to get Samba set up. I was I was trying i guess and i was like you know i'm so tired you're about to leave i don't want to do this just for one little thing here i'm just going to dump a bunch of stuff onto a flash drive and plug it in here and be good to go and it's it's cool so far i think there's things that are performing better and there's little tweaks you can do the things that we ran into unfortunately were like um we tried super mario 64 and it just didn't maintain like nothing we tried maintained a solid 60 frames no it it both of us know how N64 emulation can go, especially on a, like a but, setup like that. And but the PS1 as well, too, had the yeah, same issue. Yeah. I mean, it actually started out pretty well. All things considered, I was mm-hmm. fairly impressed with the N64 stuff. Yeah. I haven't actually used an N64 emulator on a modern console like that. But the fact that, that we were loaded into a separate OS even, it worked out well. Mm-hmm. Should we give the shout out real quick before Hell we yeah. let the ticker go down? Yeah, then? I know this guy here, Katsu Kyogen, I believe that's how you say? Kyogen. Yes. Yeah. Hello, quick question is... Mario, a toilet liquor. Uh, I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, based on what he sent me earlier today, 
Man, I it's said that to everyone. Dude, it was rough. <laughs> that was a rough way. That was definitely one of those where I, and I don't know, I put, I don't really worry about too much what's on my computer at work. I have a nice 27-inch monitor, and, you know, my work is not crazy, you know, harsh about what I do. I can look at Reddit if I need to for a little bit, you know, just take a little bit of downtime. I I didn't do this for the record, <laughs> just so we're saying it out loud, but there's like, you, you can look up the news story because I think Daily Mail ended up writing a news story on it, but there was somebody who recorded a video of herself from Snapchat going onto a toilet on a plane and licking like all of the toilet seats. Yeah, no, there was definite contact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was so gross. She, she said it made her tongue go numb. I mean, it could be good for her depending on what her prerogative is. But yeah, that was pretty sick. Yeah. But Katsu Kyogen, thank you for the five dollars. Much appreciated. Absolutely. Much it always goes to a good place. Yeah. So I would show the video on here, but I feel like you know we would instantly get slapped. Yeah. I thought of it though. I honestly thought of it, and I was like, no, we probably shouldn't show it live. Yeah. No. That <laughs> <laughs> was like I was saying. That was one I definitely like took down real quick when I realized what it was. It's like, oh man. Not only was it gross, didn't want people coming up to ask me questions, but it was just all around like, man. One of my one of my friends, he messaged me and he was like, you know what, Danny, just because you've seen something doesn't mean you need to share it. Uh, I was go- like, but I want to share it. I was about to say that goes anymore. against everything I know about you so far. Exactly. But yeah, thanks so much, man. Uh it's it's gonna go to more stuff to make this podcast even better. So it's always appreciated. Yeah. Oh, and see, yeah, people are already asking, please don't show it. So <laughs> we won't, we won't, don't worry. I just, I, I explain. It's like an 11 second video. That's it. But again, look it up. You'll find it easily online. So but anyways, back to PSX IT Arch. Yes. Yeah. We tried. So with Super Mario 64, it was great at the beginning. And then, you know, as we start trying to play around with it, that's where we were running into, you know, just um, performance hiccups and all that. Yeah. Um, again, nothing against it. It was just, that was it is what it is when it comes to the emulation setup on that. I'm mm-hmm. sure it'll get better. And then we tried a few games from the PlayStation emulator, um, one off disc and mm-hmm. several off of a USB drive. Which I think we were both fairly impressed with, the fact that we could just pop the disc into the drive and it ran yeah. just great. I mean, yeah, because the, the, the Blu-ray drivers are there, which right. is awesome. And it just it's reading data off mm-hmm. of the disc, which that's all it's doing. Yeah. But yeah, when it came down to that, unfortunately, the emulator just doesn't keep a solid 60 frames, which, again, I'm not trying to be a purist here, but it's more the issue that you get into. It, it looks great, don't get me wrong, um, but there's some games that will just not work properly, like Resident Evil 2 was completely broken, how there were just backgrounds and parts of the map and everything that weren't loading at all, and things were just tearing into one another real bad. Well, actually, the Resident Evil one was funny because it was almost like every model layered. So as you yes. were navigating through the map, yes. like the models that were there didn't leave. They just continued stacking up. It was mm-hmm. pretty funny. That was really funny. And then um, we tried a few other games, and I, I tried some also after you left. And the problem with the frame rate, what I'm talking about here, is that because of that, you just get a lot of... Not really frame script. You get frame pacing issues Mm -hmm. is what I should say. You're getting a lot of frame pacing issues. And then you end up running into also like audio glitches, audio issues as well too. So um, that's just kind of a heads up, unfortunately, if you're thinking, hey, I can get a PS4 modded and then just use PSX ITR V2 and I'll have all my emulation perfect. It's not perfect, at least not yet. Um, But it's really cool to mess around with so far. Real quick before we move on, I do want to kind of backtrack because sure. uh, this is based on Arch Linux, like we said. Um, this was yes. kind of you one know, of your favorites. Yeah, totally. And normally, uh, Arch Linux is kind of a do-it-yourself operating system, so it starts out with 
usually a command line. You have to install everything from the graphical environment and all your utilities. This is like prepackaged. It's mm-hmm. got like everything you need, uh, a de- you know, a desktop environment right out the gate, a bunch of emulators pre-installed. Um, but you still have access to the terminal. So we used the standard Arch commands to go update More your package. you used the standard Arch commands right. because you knew this stuff and I didn't. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's where, I mean, luckily I didn't need that much of my Linux knowledge. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that if a, the average person could get by and you probably don't even need to update your packages because it's working out of the gate. But it was nice to see that you're getting all the upstream stock uh, Arch Linux packages and they pulled down just fine and everything ran just like you would expect it to be running on a PC. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Hell yeah. So I'm sure there's more to come with that. You know, I'm sure they're going to make updates and whatnot, try and like optimize some things. But uh, the 3D uh, acceleration was obviously there. Um, let's see, what else? There, we were surprised that, what was it, HDMI audio out was there, a bunch of other things. Yeah, because I was surprised with that at first because I was, there's two, there's version one and version two. And version one, I don't believe had the audio drivers or anything. And it was missing a whole lot of stuff. And I don't think you were able to use Bluetooth. And I don't think you could have used Wi Fi. But now version two has all of those options right. on there, which is really nice. And that's why I was surprised because I was, I was at one point reading because they're both, you know, the same name, just version one and version two. But I was like looking at a guide for version one while setting up version two. And it had a warning saying, hey, Wi-Fi doesn't work. Bluetooth doesn't work. Sound doesn't work. But everything worked. I was like, oh, yeah, because version two, they fixed this. Oops. Yeah. So hopefully they optimize some things, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But, you know, overall, I I think we're both pretty impressed and it was definitely a fun time to set it up. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so that's pretty much the majority of what we did that night. It definitely consumed a few hours along with the pizza and whatnot. Yes, so absolutely. It was we a fun consumed time. consumed that pizza. Yeah. But anyways, I think we want to try to make this a regular segment, you know. Yes. So if you guys kind of are interested in this kind of thing, um, I imagine we'll probably do it for the next few months just to give it a try. Hoping so, absolutely. Yeah, let us know what you all thought of this. Again, this might just be a thing where, like, at the beginning of each episode, we'll just spend 10, 15, 20 minutes talking about, you know, the modding debt that we chipped away at. So, if you all are into it, awesome. If you all aren't into it at all, then, hey, it's all good. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know, and uh, if you guys aren't into it, we're probably still going to do it anyway, because it was a freaking fun time. Mm -hmm. For sure. It was great. Anyways, uh, we got some more PlayStation news to talk about. Uh, should we go ahead and start diving into Absolutely, the actual topics? Absolutely, we should get into these topics. Yeah, let's got, do this. Got a lot to get through. Yeah, yeah. You want to take this one away? Sure, I don't mind. All right, so cool. The first thing, of course, we're talking about some Vita homebrew games. That's going to be in the title here. Uh, what we were looking at is we just wanted to shout this out: "The Hallway" by Vita Hex. Now, I haven't tried this out yet, unfortunately, but this is very near and dear to me because. <laughs> I loved PT. PT stands for Playable Teaser, and it is the teaser for the now-canceled Silent Hills game, mm. which was supposed to be the Silent Hill reboot, which is coming on PS4, but then it got canceled because Konami is Konami and made everything real, real, real sad. Yeah, I'm sure that was a sore spot for you, man. Dude, it was. And then they were going back, and they, they DMCA'd it, and they were DMCAing a bunch of, uh, what is it, listings that were selling the PS4s on eBay with PT on them. Point is, people have also been going out of their way to recreate them. And essentially, PT is just, you know, kind of this hallway loop that you're continuously going through. Now, looking at this article on wololo.net, it's talking here saying, Yesterday, homebrew developer Vita Hex released The Hallway, a horror-esque game made using the Unity engine running on the PS Vita. It's based on PT, a horror game that was meant to be a new addition in the Silent Hill game series. 
and fortunately we did not get that. Now, talking from the creator himself here, VitaHex, he ended up saying, the game is a recreation of my all-time favorite PT demo. In the PS Vita version, I call it The Hallway, for obvious reasons. It's a complete recreation of the original with handmade 3D models and environments I created as close to uh, as close as possible to original. Right. So this isn't exactly a port or like a hack or anything like that. This is really recreated using Unity from scratch, just very much so inspired by that demo. Hell yeah. Yeah, it looks really good, honestly. Um, you know, I'm, I've never had a PS Vita, uh, but I've seen obviously some gameplay and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This looks pretty dang crispy. It does. It does. Yeah, just from this at least like one screenshot here, I do need to actually give this a shot, but we're going to be shouting out Vita Hex here a bit because they're just a homebrew developer that's making homebrew games for the Vita. Makes me happy. But overall, obviously the graphics look good. He also mentions that like all the lighting, fog effects, the atmosphere is highly optimized for the PS Vita. Mm -hmm. There's even good 3D sound, so they recommend wearing headphones. I think it would probably be pretty entertaining, especially for kind of like how minimal... The, the demo is overall. I mean, Absolutely. This is almost like a, a bit of a tech demo at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and it looks like e- even the PT itself on PS4 looked incredible. So thankfully, because there's not all too much to the game, because it's not like an open world game, you don't have to worry about, you know, resource limitation, all that. So it looked and performed incredibly. Right. So if you want to give this a try yourself, check out the show notes after the show. We're going to have links and stuff like mm-hmm. that to the Wololo article. As and always. They've got download links. So Hell yeah. Yeah, very nice. Anyways, uh, we've got another one here. Yeah. This is also for the Vita, is that right? It is, yes. So basically what we're talking about is a kind of Dark Souls-like game. So this is also made by Vita Hex, as you were kind of foreshadowing, right? Mm -hmm. This also looks crispy as hell, man. This looks really good. There's a lot more screenshots of this. Yeah, and this just, this is on the Vita. You all, this is on the Vita. And this is homebrew. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, So again, this is not a port or anything like that. This is like an original thing inspired by Dark Souls. In fact, I think they actually like kind of, uh, yeah, it says... uh, See, Sharp Accent has an extremely detailed 150-plus parts tutorial on how to make a Dark Souls game in Unity. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure this guy was just, you know, trying to play around or whatever, trying to follow some stuff, probably learning and figured why not release this. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think right now, the last I saw on Twitter, he was asking for names. So um, it was between four different ones. I don't remember which one won, but uh, it was unnamed at least at the time. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, uh, so this says it's based on the Soul-like, Souls-like project, and I'm guessing that's the 150-plus tutorial, parts tutorial that Souls-like, you mentioned. Souls-like, let's see. Yeah, uh, by Girodos, so, uh, source link below that was created with resource and guidance. Right. Yeah, okay. So it's a project that was created using, you know, the 150-part tutorial that was mm-hmm. mentioned. Uh, Vita Hex uh, is quoted as saying, right now I have a basic character movement with sword attacks, parry, dash animations. I also have a basic AI for the enemies, and it never drops below 25 frames on the Vita. Which, that's mind-blowing to me. That's pretty good, dude. <laughs> um, he also has the Unity source code uh, available, which is... Pr- or, or no, it he has the... It rec- available once it's released. Right, so he, yeah. he, ha- he has a link to the source code that he actually used to kind of uh, base this off of the 150-plus parts tutorial and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's got a link to that. Um, planning on an alpha release, and this is on Patreon. It is. So let's not so, lose sight of that. Yeah, 
so you can support Vita Hex. We're going to have the link again down below in the show notes in the description for mm-hmm. this once you know the show is complete. But right, yeah. If we look at the tiers here, we got a one dollar or more per per uh, month. I'm guessing uh, sneak peek on upcoming games, access to Patreon only content, uh, sneak peek to the upcoming stuff. There's also a five dollar tier for game download one week early, so uh, you'll get it a week before the release date, uh, plus the sneak peek on upcoming games and whatnot. Hell yeah! So support your devs if this sounds interesting to you go for it um if not you know it's oh, still going to a good cause as well it's not even a monthly thing so that's awesome oh really yeah interesting that's cool as hell yeah i've honestly never like actually invested in patreon i've definitely got like a few people that i've wanted to actually throw some bones to but i just don't even think i have an account yet so mm-hmm. laziness has prevailed for sure I got but you. it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a good thing and i think it'd go uh to a good place absolutely yeah no, that's something that we can definitely recommend. So I'm definitely going to give it a shot. And I need to try out the hallway as well, too. Right. But yeah, it'll be nice to see. But speaking of more crispy Vita games. Speaking of, this is not so much a Vita game, actually. This is a PSP game, but it's on the Vita. And it's definitely looking crispier than before. The Flow is coming back with a new patch. And you know, I, I even thought of this. The Flow must really love Grand Theft Auto on yeah. the PSP. And I understand why, because Liberty City Stories, Vice City Stories are both great games. And they start off on the PSP. You're probably a bigger Grand Theft Auto fan than I am. I am, yeah. yeah. I, I'll acknowledge that. But yeah, he ended up, because you know he made the remastered controls, and remastered controls were um, for Grand Theft Auto first. And now there is the GTA native resolution patch. So this is pretty self-explanatory here. And this screenshot you're seeing, I mean, this is directly from the Vita. This is how it's looking at this point. And it just says, this plugin increases the internal resolution of the game to native 960 by 544 resolution and adds mipmap patches to use higher resolution textures. The trade-off is about 20 frames per second, originally 30 frames per second, and 16-bit color depth instead of 32-bit. It is recommended to use this in, uh, this plugin in conjunction with remaster controls to get the greatest game experience. Now, mm-hmm. I don't have any before and afters on here because this is the only photo that is on his GitHub link, which I'll have linked, of course, in the show notes as usual. But you might good. be well, you might be looking at this and saying, "Okay, well, that, yeah, that looks fine." If you look at the game normally without the patch, it's just it's it's blurry. Yeah, it's just it, it looks like there's something wrong with the screen or it's not tuned quite right, but. It's been fixed with this patch. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely want to give this a shot. I think my thing is, I wouldn't really want the resol not the not the resolution. I wouldn't really want the performance trade off. Right, the frame rate my- is kind of rough. And that's my own opinion on there. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely give this a shot. But I think if I was truly playing through the game, uh, I would probably play without the patch. I did play through this recently. Finally, like Liberty City Stories, I played through it on uh, PS2. Oh, very nice. Yeah, and it seemed to run fine on there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then that was the original release, right? The, that was ported to the PSP. It was well, no, no, no. It um, both of those games came out on PSP originally, and they were ported to PS2, oh. and then they got ported to mobile. Oh, okay. so it's actually on mobile as well. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think just the uh, again, like this is. I feel like this is a pretty good tech demo above everything, right? You know, just the fact that they can do this, the fact that they can polish some things up. Um, I really doubt there's going to be much to do about the frame rate. I'm sure it's going to be something you're going to have to be stuck with if there's something you're going to do, but maybe it's worth a trade-off for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, again, and yeah, that's not for me it's worth a trade-off, but to others, we'll see. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention here is, uh, funny enough, I mean, this is a, technically it's a PSP plugin um, for a PSP game on the Vita, 
but this only so far supports it supports Liberty City Stories and Vice City Stories, but it only supports the U.S. releases. Mm, so okay. if you're going to try this, you can't do it on the European or Japanese releases. Unfortunately, you have to play on the U.S. releases. Yeah, I hadn't seen that, but yeah, it uses yeah exactly Vice City Stories, and the ID for that is ULUS one zero one six zero, and Liberty City Stories ULUS one hundred forty one. Gotcha. So those are the exact IDs if anybody's interested in running that. Yeah, who knows? Maybe that'll be one of the next things we mod. Yeah. I need to give that a shot. It should be easy enough. I'm sure it will probably get migrated into auto plug-in. I can just install it in one foul swoop. So. Yeah, we're gonna, to, we're gonna have to do some Vita stuff soon because we that's do. something I don't have a I don't have a Vita right now, um, and so I would love to see some of the stuff with that. One of the times we did one of our modding hangouts, though, we did a, some Vita things, and I remember like you just had this like oh. wave of nostalgia hit you yeah. when you saw the PSP X and B on my screen. So. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I agree. More of that. Let's do more of it. Let's do more of it. Anyways. That was some good Vita news. Shall we move on to some Switch chat? Yes, we should. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll go ahead. I'll let you grab this one here. Yeah, absolutely, man. No problem. So um, Switch, like always, has no shortage of news. Um, We've seen Linux get (laughs) ported over to uh, the Switch pretty early on, actually, once Fuse Jelly came out. That was a really early thing that we had seen. Yes. Um, Which and is now, like typical, one of the first things that you see on a modded system yeah, once sure. it's cracked open. Uh, oddly enough, we actually have seen Windows 10 ARM is being ported to the Switch. Yes, it is. Now, I'm not sure who would want to run Windows 10 on a Switch. Uh, I personally wouldn't, but it's definitely one of those things I admire it for being possible. Absolutely. It's like a lot of people might be asking, is this practical? It's like, it's not really. No, it's not practical. It's just it's cool that this is possible. Mm-hmm. So like we had mentioned recently, we saw kind of an Android port uh, in the works. We did, so, and that's about all we saw. It was just Android right up, and that was about it. So this is kind of a, a similar deal here, but we've got Windows 10 um, ARM. For those of you who don't know, uh, Windows 10, there isn't an actual official build for ARM devices. Mm-hmm. I believe it was initially released spe- uh, specifically to run on the Raspberry Pi. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, Performance-wise, doesn't perform as well as the standard Linux distributions that you would run, but that's to be expected with Windows being a little bit more bloaty than the Linux counterparts. A little bit more bloaty. That's pretty bloaty. A lot of bit more bloaty, man. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, it looks like the developer is Mbushuo, a.k.a. Ben. Let me see. Yes. I'm so, Bashuo. I believe that's how we can I'm say Bishuo. it. I'm sorry. We don't know. There's no phonetics here. Dude, it's, it's We're tough. trying. All right? They We're trying. To, they should add that to Twitter. You should be able to like put in cool. a phonetic or make that a standard in your profile. <laughs> but anyways, <clears throat> so here on the article from Wololo, always good uh, website to get some of this information. One of the best out there. Yeah, dude. Right now, not a lot of information is available on the subject as uh, the only proof comes in the form of two photos showing the Switch trying to boot up Windows 10 ARM. Um, for these, the following could be summed up uh, about the port's current status. Obviously still in the early stages, but Windows 10 has at least started to boot. There's support for basic frame buffer as both the Windows boot up logo and an error message were drawn on the Switch's screen. And some fixes to memory allocation are apparently needed to progress this port a little further. Mm-hmm. Uh, most hardware components are unlikely to work at this stage, which makes sense because you're probably going to have to be re-implementing those drivers. Yes, you do. And the drivers that we get from like the Linux stuff obviously are not going to be compatible because Windows is a totally different beast. <laughs> nope. 
but yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I would love to see more and more OSs. It'd be really awesome if the Switch just became this like total open, use whatever OS you see fit, whether it's Android, whether it's uh, you know the actual base Switch OS, Linux, um, or even Windows. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's some use that somebody could find with this. Again, it's just, it's cool that this is possible. I love it. And mm-hmm. it's nice that we're seeing, you know what, we're seeing a modern operating system on here, not Windows 98 or right. Windows 95. Yeah, that usually is the first thing that gets ported. Yeah, and it, I, I don't understand, like, it, it, this is just, I'm not even, like, questioning why would you do that. I'm just saying, no, like, from the technicality standpoint, I don't understand why those are the ones. I think they normally port cleaner or easier. Yeah, maybe it's because it's been done so many times over. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot of frame uh, of reference to go off of. I think you can run Windows 95 like on the PSP, for example. And I remember it would take, allegedly oh it took gosh. like 10 minutes to boot up. Uh, yeah, I remember tr- experimenting with that. I, I did not experiment. I don't that. remember how far I got, but I don't think I actually had the patience to go through it all. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of one of those things that was fun to fun idea, but once you actually got into it and it wasn't you know as smooth as it, you would hope it would be, you know, it's like, okay, what am I gaining here? But yeah, that's pretty cool. So we'll report back if we have some more information on this. Yes, uh, we will. As well as the Android port. I think it'd be really cool to get yeah, that Yeah, I think the Android port, uh, port's the only thing we know about that from last episode. We touched on it at the very end because somebody brought it up in the Q&A. And we just know that it's been ported and it's booting. It's it's at about the same stage as what we're seeing with Windows 10 here. So Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh Moving on to some more native uh, Switch stuff. Yes. Lockpick RCM has been released. Yes, it has. You want to take this one? Sure. Um, I actually, I I had some experience with this here. So for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Lockpick was originally a NRO file, just a piece of homebrew where you launch it and it pulls all the keys that it can, like the sensitive keys to your Switch system, and you can dump them onto your SD card and that's it. However, right here, the description of this is Lockpick RCM is a bare metal Nintendo Switch payload that derives encryption keys for use in Switch file handling software like HackTool, HackToolNet, LibHack, Choi Dejour, etc. without booting Horizon OS. Mm-hmm. And here's the important part, you all, if, if anybody's asking why would you run this as opposed to regular Lockpick. Due to changes imposed by firmware 7.0.0, Lockpick Homebrew can no longer derive the latest keys. In the boot time environment, however, there are fewer limitations. So generally, if you run regular Lockpick, you have to, you know, boot up into, well, you boot up into RCM, you boot up into Horizon OS at that point, then you run your Homebrew and you can do that. You can't do that anymore through Horizon OS as explained here, but now at this point, there's nothing to stop you from just getting the keys at the bootloader level. <laughs> right. So essentially, you're going to be booting into uh, Hikate or something like that and then running it from there. Is that it? No, it's a payload. Okay. This is a payload. So you would launch it like you're launching Hikate, like you're launching SXOS, like you're launching Atmosphere. This is a actual payload that you run. It runs on boot within RCM, and then you can just dump your keys, and that's it. Right, but Hikate would be loaded from, say, your dongle or whatever, right? And then the payload would be run from there. Like Atmosphere, wouldn't you don't load Atmosphere onto the actual dongle. You, wrote, you would load Hikate, which then runs Atmosphere. So I know what, what you're point? talking about on that, but no, this is not like a custom firmware. This is a actual payload. Gotcha. The okay. F- everything is within that payload. Now, I, I didn't actually experiment with this, but when I used uh, Cosmos to kind of set up my SD card, it actually did have a homebrew for lockpick RCM, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe that was just standard lockpick. I it might have just been lockpick because, yeah, even if you go to the initial releases like I'll show on screen, uh, it's just initial release right here, and it's just a bin file, and that's it. So the only thing you can do with your bin file is just load that up 
um, like any other payload that you would. And it seems to, to, again, for me, it worked well enough. And yeah, it just says here, upon completion, keys will be saved to slash switch slash prod dot keys on SD. That's about all you need to do on that. But yeah, you just launch it as a payload as normal. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It is. So it's nice to see that we have a way around that. And I don't think this is probably going to be able to be blocked nearly as easy um, because of the stage of boot that it's actually running at. So I think it's pretty sweet. For sure. So moving on to the next thing. This is something that you have shown some excitement about. Um, Just a bit. Just a bit. I haven't played around with it much, but we're talking about custom themes. Mm -hmm. Now, what I am excited about, I think we might have mentioned this in an earlier episode, but custom themes are finally plug-and-play and and 100% legal, Mm -hmm. which is awesome, which means it's going to be much easier to distribute them, much easier to go find them. You're not going to have to... I guess usually the consumers probably aren't going to be the ones worrying about this, but the people distributing these are going to have no worries, right? Correct. Um... So before you would need console keys, uh, basically bundled in with this, don't need that anymore. And like you had mentioned, these are actually available in the NX App Store, which is pretty sweet. Yes, yeah. So what we're talking about here is Switch Theme Injector. So this comes with here, it's 3.7 of that, and NX Themes Installer. And it's saying right here, yeah, automatic home menu instruction works on any firmware and any custom firmware. Keys are not needed anymore. So pretty self-explanatory it's working on everything the keys aren't needed and when you launch this for the first time you end up dumping your home menu and before i'd never messed with themes prior to this but from what i understood prior what you had to do was you essentially were modifying or you were loading up modified home menu items and at that point anyone correct me if i'm wrong but you would have to distribute those as well too and legally you can't distribute those that's that was the big issue here but now at this point you can kind of just download patches so to speak that don't have any of the copyrighted code and then you launch this application it will dump your own version of the home menu and then you run the themes which are essentially just patches on top of that it applies and then you got your own themes right that's yeah. pretty sweet it's awesome yeah. So and switch themes are really cool too. Yeah, I've seen some of the photos. Um, they they do look really nice. Maybe if I get into actually like using my switch a lot more for uh, my kind of emulator setup, it might be something nice that I actually invest in. Um, uh, do you do you have a favorite theme that you found so far that you're rocking? Uh, yeah, I can actually. Hopefully, I'm gonna actually bring up the video preview here. Hopefully, it looks nice enough. But right here, I got a nice Final Fantasy VII theme. I'll even open that up. And right there, what I like about this, if, if you can't see the differences, I apologize, but essentially all the games are down here, and I think they end up changing all the home menu stuff over to the side. And just I like how you can change the, um, what is it, just you can literally change the orientation, direction, size of everything. And there's also background images all over the place, so I'm not skilled enough on here to just do it without looking, but no, not that. Yeah, because you've got your games, like, they are much smaller and whatnot. Exactly, yeah. So everything has changed, and this is, unfortunately, to me, maybe not, like, you know, all the size changes here, but at least changing the backgrounds, come on, this, this is something that should be in. Yeah, and it should be in the stock firmware. It's not. You can switch between white black uh, background or black background, and that's it. This throws me cool as hell. This throws me back too to some of the PSP themes, which I feel like the stock ones were totally like. Uh, you, you really didn't get the full potential of what they could have been. I don't remember. I mean, there were some good themes out there, but I, I remember thinking that those could have been much better. And uh, you know, I don't know why we haven't gotten to that point. You know, 
right now. I know even if we look back, even cell phones and stuff like that, just or smartphones, just don't have a lot of themes. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm personally not as ironic saying this here because I just showed my themed switch. I'm not as crazy into like crazy customization themes and all that stuff, but it's really cool to mess around with at first. I know like. PSP, thankfully, they did start integrating themes into that, but the ones that you could just load in through the X and B, they weren't nearly as robust as the ones where you could, you know, change the Flash Zero and all that. Like, I had a, a full iPhone theme set up and changed on my mm-hmm. on my uh, PSP before. Yeah. It was kind of uselessly huge, but it was still cool as hell just to do. Yeah, sure. And I remember, especially, like, the boot animations and stuff like that, or the loading animation, whatever oh, they were called. Man, um, gameboots.pmf? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. The gameboots. Yeah. Yeah, the the good old like bloody hack and slash one that mm-hmm. everyone used. Hell yeah. Yeah, th- those were good times. But eventually, I kind of fell out of it. Um, and I don't know. I- I've kind of like started living more of a stock life lately. I mm-hmm. mean, even with my phone and with everything else, you know, I'm sure I like hacking around with my consoles. But as far as like customizing too much, I get what I need to and pretty much move on. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome that it's there. Like I said, it's in the NX app-, app store. So if you want something easy to play around with and don't want to have to, you know, do too much effort, it sounds like those are pretty much plug and play. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Uh, the next thing, you want to uh, take this? Because you're the... Uh you're the resident atmosphere user here. I guess yeah, sure. So yeah. I haven't actually played around <laughs> with this much, um, but basically, right. atmosphere has been updated. Uh, what is it? June fifteenth. <laughs> June. Yeah. Happy June fifteenth. Happy June fifteenth. Every update is a June fifteenth, baby. Which is a hilarious meme that's been propelled. <laughs> yeah. But basically, atmosphere now has cheat support. So you may have heard about this. It's pretty cool. It works like uh, most other cheat kind of engines and stuff like that modifying yeah. the memory on the fly and i think prior to this the only uh, i mean this is one thing now that sxos doesn't have anymore which is great but uh sxos i think they were the first custom firmware to implement cheat support mm-hmm. like not like save games or modifying saves right. or anything but like actual cheat support it's funny they mentioned the modifying save games because uh, Edison has been updated as well. So if you haven't heard of Edison, it's a homebrew that basically is uh, interfaces with the cheat support built into Atmosphere. It also allows for you to dump uh, save games and edit save game data. So uh, right. I haven't played around with this myself. It's something I actually do want to get into. I think it'd be really, really fun, mm-hmm. um, especially with some of the maybe the Pokemon stuff. You know what I mean? This does look cool. Yeah. Right, right, right. So um, it uh, looks really good. Which oh, this is awesome. Also, pro- I need this. It's Why don't sweet. I have it? It's all, also props <laughs> to a lot of the homebrew that's been developed, how it matches the Switch UI. Uh, very well I'm mm-hmm. seeing a lot more of this I saw this with RetroArch Edison looks great um, but yeah I think that's I think that's a lot of fun um, obviously the Switch does not do well with going online with a lot of this stuff so I don't think we have to worry about people cheating online right now too or much. if you cheat online I mean it, we, we saw remember we saw it with, uh, with Super Mario uh, Odyssey where yeah. people were well they were injecting pornographic images into their uh, into their say in, like their profile icon and then putting balloons everywhere so there was porn all over the place but i also think that was a bit before the big like massive ban hammer that nintendo came down with well they were getting banned switches were getting banned quickly regardless yeah. i think really the only time modified switches going online were really not getting banned was prior to any of the custom firmwares coming out right because uh, team executor like when they were talking about sxos they were allegedly saying like hey, yeah, this is all ban-proof, all that stuff, it's safe to go online. And then it came out, and people were getting banned, and then 
executor. That's why they have, you know, Immunand and mm-hmm. stealth uh, mode and all this other stuff. Right. So, so a little bit more details on how it kind of works. Um, basically, for Atmosphere, you can load a cheat file that's basically loaded uh, on the a- a- SD card at Atmosphere slash titles. You put the title ID slash cheats and the build ID, um, and you put them in there, and basically Atmosphere is going to load those on boot, and Edison is uh, going to let you actually be able to toggle those on and off, I believe, um, kind of at will. I need these. So, yeah, Atmosphere provides kind of like a very manual interface. Edison is kind of like a nice layer on top to kind of manage all that. Sure. So, exciting stuff. It takes me way back to the days of the action replay and whatnot. Game uh, Shark. Oh, you're talking about like PS1 action replay. Oh, like, I mean, PS1, it, PS2, and PS4. Um, well, I, I was just thinking because I know like action replay on the Xbox, for example, yeah. it was saves. Right. That Save you game trade only. and all that. But I believe even on the DS, action replay was uh, doing cheat stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. I like to see it continue on without uh, having a paid solution. Yeah, for sure. Now, the, uh, oh, you have that loaded up? I don't have that loaded up. Hmm. I can't load that. Try and click that link again. Hold on. Like, okay, don't open. refresh it, but just like, right, right, yeah, right. open up a new one. Hold on. We're, we're doing, yeah. Whoa. Okay. Damn. All right. So our next, uh, I, I guess. Uh, Interesting. I, I can, I can kind of talk, I, I guess we can kind of work on this together. Okay. So this just went down. <laughs> yeah. While we were doing the show, we're trying to get this story from AndroidHeadlines.com, and I'm going to link it down below in the description once this is done, but I'm getting a 502 bad gateway on there. But Devin has it cached on his laptop, so yeah. I guess if we need so to... I got to load up the topics before we get started, bro. Man, I load them up as I go, okay? Don't hey, judge me. See how far I as got my, you this time, bro. Yeah, as, as my mouse is just not... There we go. All right. But no, so I, I guess... I have some notes here, thankfully, that I could go off of, but I'm just pretending I have this here, and I might be kind of looking over there. But essentially, there's been a recent Chromium commit, and yes? Go on. Oh, okay. I, I, I wanna, I'll, I'll tie into this. Okay, okay. With, some, cool. with some GDC announcements that some people probably all, have heard All right, of. all right. Yeah, and, I, and I'll even kind of interject on that, too, where I don't want this to go into a full GDC conversation. Sure, sure. Because if people want to know about, if people want us to discuss our thoughts on what was announced at GDC, ask us in the Q&A, sure. and we'll talk about that, but I don't want to stray, stray too far off totally this. Good. Yeah, but based on a recent Chromium commit, or a few of them, there's now been support added for pretty much all the Switch controllers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can use the Pro Controller via uh, Chrome's GamePad API, and it has support for both USB and Bluetooth modules. You can also use the Charging Grip Controller via USB, and it also adds support for the left Joy-Con, right Joy-Con, or both Joy-Con paired as one singular controller via Bluetooth. Mm-hmm. And at the time, because this was before the Google Stadia announcement, mm-hmm. this is when they were teasing it, but I had put here, is this possibly in preparation for Google Stadia? And I will say yes. I would say yes as well, too. And yes. I think everyone is going to agree here because I was I was watching with some people in the Discord, which, you know, shout out to the people there. We were having fun checking it out and all that fun stuff. But um, I believe one of the things that they're really promoting, of course, it's, you know, play these games over, over the internet, stream them over mm-hmm. any screen, any, well, any available device that has it but it's also kind of a bring your own controller concept right so it would not shock me at all 
if Switch controller support is available in Stadia. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they, they pitched it like that. They really kind of said, like, bring any standard, you know, peripheral, keyboard, mouse, controller, or whatever. Um, so I definitely think this is for this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't looked into Stadia, like you said, I don't want to get too much into it right now, but it's definitely worth looking into. Uh, we'll see, you know, how it actually plays out in the real world. Real, real world. I've heard some, like, mixed reviews of people at GDC that got their hands on it, mm-hmm. um, but I think this is pretty sweet. I like how it's a first-class uh, citizen. I've actually used my um, Switch controller on Windows. Uh, I think the last thing I played was Sonic Adventure and Jet Set Radio, doing some throwbacks. Um, and it worked great there. So, you know, I'd... when when you were doing, wait, just like streaming from your desktop to something else? Or... I was just playing on my desktop, right? Oh, okay. So okay. I just had it plugged in through USB, worked like right Oh, out for the like box. the Switch controllers. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I got kind of lost with, I was thinking of Stadia and no, all no, that. No. And I was like, wait, were you streaming or yes or no? No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I enjoyed using that as a PC controller and I don't see why not. Um, apparently the people at Google are fans of it too. Yeah. So pretty cool stuff. So, and even if they're not fans, they're just trying to add, you know, support for general mm-hmm. USB controllers and all that stuff. So. This is kind of one of those interesting things where, like, uh, one of those, like, weird benefits of open source development, especially with the way Google does stuff, where they actually do a lot of development out in the open. We can kind of get previews of this stuff where they're not really trying to hide it. This isn't really a surprise, you yeah. know? No, these are publicly available commits that are on Chromium. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, Chromium is basically the open source version of Chrome. Uh, Google Chrome has then, like, is basically a fork of that with proprietary layers on top. Mm-hmm. So this will be uh, merged directly into Chrome. When exactly, we don't know, but absolutely before Stadia. Yes. I mean, it's got to be. Yeah. And even looking here, as we were talking, the website came back hey. online. But it's even showing directly here, improved support for Nintendo Switch gamepads. This is technically opened as a bug, uh, bug number 801717. But it's right there. Yeah. It's all in it. <laughs> Can't wait, man. I will definitely, uh, you know... Granted that the cost isn't too high or something like that, but I'll definitely be playing out with playing with Stadia and I'll probably be trying out my Nintendo Switch controllers. I'll try it. I will try Stadia, but mm-hmm. we'll see how it is. That's a whole other conversation, though. So again, if people want to, if they they want to hear our thoughts on it, please ask in the user Q and A that we're gonna do. You know, after the sure. stuff. But yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, is there much more to talk about that? Or should we move on to no, something we can, else? we can move on. So we're still uh, in kind of Nintendo territory. We are in Nintendo territory. We're but we're done with the Switch. Yeah. It, it, we're going to have some surprises here. It's <laughs> pretty... Oh, yeah. It definitely gets crazy. It gets, it gets, <laughs> it gets weird. Sure. So first of all, we're going back to the DSi. The which, DSi. Since we've been doing the show, there's been a couple of DSi exploits that have yeah. come up. You know what I mean? Is it something that like people... like Is the DSi really in need of new stuff? I mean, mm, God. I don't know. I mean, is it- I mean, there's not a demand for it, but it's just one of those things where people are like, nobody really ever looked into this because right. the, the most the DSi got while it was hot was, hey, uh, I think there was like one piece of homebrew that you could, there was one way you could run homebrew, but you mm-hmm. had to download an exploit game and it was taken off like almost immediately. Right. And then the rest of it was just flashcards. I think at this point, it's one of those things where it's end of life. So, I mean, it's kind of a open playground for people to just try stuff out exactly but now we have you know like higher custom firmware and you know a few other modifications and such like actual people really wanted to do the 3ds stuff to the dsi yeah they're like hey if we were able to do all this stuff on its successor why don't we just attack the dsi yep i think there's even been some weird like dsi stuff that translated to the 3ds if i remember right I can't remember what DSiWare saves and yeah. stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, I did several of those. The DSiWare downgrades. Yeah. Those were fun. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. This one is for, uh, what is this? I think, it, yeah, it's a save game exploit for mm-hmm. Uno. It is. So yep. it's called Uno Pwn. Um, I mean, we've seen save game exploits. This kind of thing is nothing new, but it's pretty interesting. It is. Yeah. Um, 
It says you'll need uh, homebrew access to get the uh, to install the exploit. So Flipnote Studio, which I've heard this before, I haven't messed with it myself. Um, that seems to be kind of one of the most standard uh, things to exploit. But yeah, uh, basically use a Flipnote Lenny exploits. Yes. And uh, yeah. I'm glad you know the name of that. I always forget the name of Lenny. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually almost forgot, and it came to me just now, and I felt <laughs> really happy about that. Um, but yeah, and even like uh, like we were talking about, this actually does technically work for 3DS users as well. Yes, because you, you have to install it. So you could do it either through 3DS custom firmware or through DSi Haya custom firmware. But the only downside is you, you need, in order to do this to a stock DSi, you have to have access to a homebrewed 3DS or DSi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this actually kind of reminds me, like I know there were some PSP exploits that were out there where it's like, hey, you can do this, but you need access to a modified PSP. Now, one thing, uh, do you know if there's any real benefit of using this exploit over, say, like the Flipnote Lenny exploit? Um, this obviously is like a second entry point or whatever. But... That I don't know because I, I don't know all too much about this, unfortunately. Like, the, just the, the DSi scene in general. Yeah. But... I think this is probably just one of the more like uh, proof just, of concepts and whatnot, right? Yeah, uh, it just, just... it allows people to launch into NDS homebrew menu. So. Yeah. Uh, that's the goal probably not incredibly necessary it's not really groundbreaking but it's really cool and as always we appreciate the efforts from the community members that actually take the time to go back and do some of this stuff absolutely um, perhaps you know if Flipnote for whatever reason I mean obviously we're not seeing updates on this but if forever for whatever reason that becomes you know unavailable or something you know at least we have some kind of secondary exploit to get into mm-hmm. or maybe you already have Uno on your uh thing but i guess you have to have uh the flip note exploit already running so yeah i'm not really sure what the practical purpose of this i is. have a dsi that is on i think it's on firm it, it it's not on the the latest firmware because i think the latest is 1.4.5 um but i on purpose never updated it and i i need to mess around with it i just i picked up a dsi for like 40 bucks years ago and just need to mess around with it Hmm. So maybe, I, I need to go on myself. I never actually that, owned one. Maybe that should be the next thing that. We'll That'd do. be kind of cool. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I I did um, at the time because I, I bought it from GameStop. I think three years ago. Yeah, three years ago because at one point GameStop just did a major clearance and mm-hmm. they were selling the DS for ten bucks, DS Lite for twenty, DSi Gosh. for thirty, DSi XL for forty. That's so good. Yeah, and I actually wanted to get. I I honestly wanted to get a original DS because I have a DS Lite and I was like, oh, I'd like the clamshell one, but those ones sold out like that. Yeah. So when I went to my local GameStop, they're like, yeah, the only one we have is a DSi XL. I'm like, eh, it's 40 bucks. I'll get it. Sure. On I've never note, had a DSi. On that note, I remember when the DSi XL first came out, I thought it was just a monster of a console. Mm-hmm. It, was, it just seems so big, and yet we're rocking the new 3DS XLs that are also Oh, huge. I remember when the 3DS XL came out, and that thing was just lavishly huge. Yeah. I loved it. But I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still fit in my pocket, but I was... More adult at that point, more grown up, so it actually fit in my adult size pockets. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as a kid, I remember seeing my cousins had a DSi XL, and it was just huge. So, but Big it's fun. Anyways, uh, shall we move on to the next one? Yes, we should. We're not out of Nintendo territory yet. No, we are not. We've but this is one thing that I, I don't think anybody was going to predict that we were going to no, talk about. <laughs> I did not see this coming, but I'm, I'm extremely happy about it. Me too. In fact, I mean, I think there's actually like a real good reason for this one, right? Yeah, this one there is, is. So what we're talking there's about here. There's many good reasons. You want to flip over the video? Yes, this I is will. Cool, and I want to see this on stream. We've got a Virtual Boy <laughs> ROM cart. Virtual Boy. So a flash cart for this old console. The Multi Boy 32 right. has been announced. 
And I could actually see a lot of people out there that maybe have one of these laying around, but maybe don't have very many games, maybe lost the games. Mm-hmm. Um, this also, I'm sure, is just you know archiving and preserving games. This is actually really sweet. Yeah. So I, I've never actually experimented with a Virtual Boy at all. I have played a Virtual Boy once in my life. Mm. How it was, was okay. It? Did you get nauseous? Uh, no, because I only played it for five minutes. Gotcha. Uh, we we bought one at the game store I was working at, and I had to test it to make sure it worked. Cool. Yeah, so I got to play some Mario Tennis. It was it was cool. The the guy who I was buying it from, he actually said the way he would play is he would like lay back in his bed and then kind of have like the virtual boy just on his face. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Reminds me of what I've done with some of my uh, like the Daydream headset. Oh, uh, nice. For a little bit, I was like watching Netflix in bed, <laughs> putting it on my face, and you know what I mean. Nice. I, I like to. I don't want something directly in front of my face though, like that. I like to have it kind of just on the side, like on a TV. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Not much of a VR person. Not really. No. I want to get into me. it. Uh, ho- hopefully, I'll be moving into a house at the end of the year, and I would love to get a VR set up. Oh yeah. But obviously, that's going to come with its own costs. So. Yes. <laughs> but going back to this, so Kevin Merle uh, Melot, I believe that's how you say Merlo. his name. Merlo. Merlo. No, Mel. Me- Me- yeah. See, I thought there was an R in there too, Mello. but there's not. Melo. Melot. Kevin here. Kevin <laughs> has just announced the Multiboy 32, a micro SD based ROM flash cart. Yes, that's right. No single loading or configuration. Just dump your Virtual Boy ROMs and start playing. Mm-hmm. So there's all the tech specs here that you can see in regards to the flash, the RAM, all that stuff. But the important things here are like games can be loaded via a SD card slot. Uh, there's, of course, USB input for interfacing and control. So you should be able to do some development on there i thought this is really cute a on-screen game selection themed around kevin's 8-bit vb character dodo i think that's really cute but uh there's also here this is important kevin has a stretch goal of using the cart's usb port as a link cable for two-player head-to-head gaming this is an interesting feature as i don't believe any original game supported two-player mode so you need a flash cart anyway to access this feature I'm currently looking forward to playing Mario Tennis and hyper fighting in two player mode. Yeah, that makes me really curious. Like, I wonder if there was some like background support for these games. Or that was... just like ROM hacked in there yeah, or something. Right, but right. this can add functionality to the mm-hmm. Virtual Boy, which I think is cool as hell. Yeah, so like I said, I've never actually had my hands on this, but this is something that I've thought about like one day I'd love to go and buy one of these and um, it would be nice. I'd probably just pick up a f- one of these carts and, you know, go from there and be able to not have to worry about you know, purchasing all these original old games as well. Uh, I, uh, I think it'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Just the the only thing is if, uh, I mean, I would just say the Virtual Boy, it's it's a cool it's a cool museum piece, but it is not worth it. Well, yeah, it depends on how much, <laughs> obviously it depends on how much it is, but that's also why, like, you started talking factoring in the console itself which i'm sure is not the cheapest thing in the world at this point because they're so old and they, they didn't sell well so you know like yeah not at all i mean apparently i've heard people like i know i i think it was pat country for example i heard him talking about the virtual boy and he had said that one of his i think his cousins ended up getting one somehow and they were kids and this is like the hot thing at the time and you know like when you're a child you get something a really cool piece of technology or new toy and you just want to use it and play with it all the time and play it all day um, they were kids all excited about this and they would play it for like at most an hour because it hurt to play apparently. Yeah, it's amazing that they got through, uh, I mean, I, like QA and really like actually came out to be a real product. Maybe it was one of those things that they Nintendo had invested enough money into it where they were like, well, let's just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was obviously kind of like one of the first kind of not only VR-ish but also kind of 3D-ish 
things. Yeah. The real kind of kicker was that it was, you know, provided a sense of depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you haven't seen it, all the games are very red. Pretty much that's yeah, the only yeah. color. And like you said, it's, it's notorious. It's red for, and black. That's it. Yeah. And it's, no, it's always been notorious for providing headaches. So I think this would be a cool thing if I just had some money to blow, came across it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if you could get like a good deal on a fully working virtual boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has everything. Right, right, right. Cool. But yeah, I never thought we'd be covering Virtual Boy here on Mod Chat, but the Multicart 32. It's pretty awesome. Or, yeah, Multi... Uh, is that What the hell was it called? Yeah, the Multi Boy 32, excuse me. I feel like this is what Mod Chat's all about, man. Oh, yeah. All right. I think we're done with Nintendo for the month. We are. We're done with Nintendo. So, even though we have Nintendo on the table. Yeah. Shows how hard we, we have We have three it. Nintendos on the table. True, true. Yeah. But, <laughs> going back to some Sony-related things. Yes. We're not done with that yet. We've got some PS4 news. Absolutely. We have the, finally, we can talk about this here, the 6.2 WebKit exploit. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, the latest firmware right now, uh, I believe, is the 6.5 firmware update. And if it's not, it's even saying here it's been patched in the 6.5 firmware update. But this was released by SpectreDev, who has been a great help with, I know he put out the 4.55 jailbreak, and I believe the... 4.05 4.05 jailbreak. Yeah, he was putting those ones out. And people, please correct me if I'm wrong. I want to make sure I get, you know, proper credit where credit is due on here. But he had this WebKit exploit here, and he discovered that it was patched on the latest firmware. So he said, you know what, let's go ahead and release it. Now, for anybody who's getting super excited, you know, because I know there's been a few people in the comments already, like, asking about it, getting all excited about the exploit. Uh, this alone is not going to do anything. If you have a console on firmware 6.2, you can fire up the WebKit exploit in your browser, but you can't do anything further without a kernel exploit. So this is just the entry point into the kernel exploit, because for anyone that doesn't know, at the current moment in time in the PS4, you have to have a WebKit exploit available. Once you launch the WebKit exploit, you then use that as an entry point to boot your kernel exploit. Mm -hmm. So we have one, but not the other. And WebKit exploits are, from what I see, a hell of a lot easier to find than kernel exploits. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and part of it is, if you scroll down here, uh, the vulnerability credit even, you know, a lot of these things are actually um, discovered because there are, like, bugs that are filed out in the open. Um, this one was uh, found by Loki Hard-T, Loki Hart. Loki um, Hart, that's from what I'd say. Google's Project Zero. Um, so it was, this was actually disclosed on the Chromium bug tracker. So a lot mm-hmm. of these... Uh, browser versions or you know webkit versions are older um so you can find these exploits and uh you know not every single bug that's out there is going to be an exploit like this but it's kind of one of these things where it's really not not that easy to disclose or google doesn't really want to disclose these in a private way so they're out there so if the companies aren't keeping their browsers patched you know you kind of have some things to just work off of Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen this a lot with, you know, especially in the 3DS days and stuff like that. Um, WebKit exploits are very common. Yes. I also wanted to say real quick, Kiwi Dog actually correct me. He said 4.05, 4.55 was QWERTY, so thank you for that. Then X41 said the exploits were QWERTY, but Spectre made the public releases, I think. That sounds correct to me. Gotcha. Yeah, because I know Spectre was... He his name was on them. I remember that, and it's it's been a while since the releases. I know that, so that's why my memory's a little bit hazy there. Mm-hmm. Plus, I skipped out on the four point oh five release. I did four point five five and then five oh five. Right. Yeah. 
So before we wrap up here, it looks like there is a couple ways that you can actually launch this exploit. So fake DNS spoofing to redirect to uh, redirect the manual page to the exploit yes. page or using the web browser navigate to an exploit page, but that uh, doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. So you may have to give it a couple tries, but again, there's not much you're gonna do with this right now. It's proof of concept, maybe we'll see something built off it in the future. Absolutely, and uh, the biggest thing here is going to be, of course, like, as we mentioned, you're not able to do anything um, kernel-wise on this. So this is the most the most useful thing that this will be able to do, and I'm not even downplaying it. It's just the most useful thing that it will be able to do is if you bring your own kernel exploit, you're able to launch it now. Mm -hmm. So that's right. great. Yeah, it's still progress that we have for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, this was on 6.2. You would know better than me because I don't think – did they go from 6.2 to straight to 6.5? It seems like they did, yes. Okay. So because, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – it was. I know the latest firmware, which is 6.5, then it patched it out. Because right. that's why this was released. Because I remember Spectre on Twitter said, hey, this WebKit exploit I found has been patched, so maybe I should release it now. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, we have that all covered. Uh, the next thing here, we have another piece of PS4 news. Uh, this is in regards to a PS4 emulator. Now, Devin, have you heard of the Orbital PS4 emulator? No, not until like literally we talked about it earlier. <laughs> I had not heard of it either, but apparently before anyone gets excited here, just hold your horses, we'll talk about this. Uh, Orbital PS4 emulator from Wololo, it's, it, this is the source of the article at least, is showing significant process, progress now with graphical output. So this is a PS4 emulator that's available to use and everything. You're really not able to boot up PS4 games or anything. So that's why I said hold your horses, don't get excited because we can't do any of that huge fun stuff yet, but this is where every single emulator has to start off. But this is what's, what you're able to see right now. If you're able to launch it and you're able to bring in your own stuff, you can at least have a display here and you can get this and air has occurred air. There's there's not too much else you can do on there. But that is definitely the interface. You're running the PS4's firmware. You're running the PS4's operating system at that point. Now, the thing is with this as well too is that it's saying here that it's only booting, well, yeah, Orbital currently boots decrypted kernels to some extent and is being tested on kernels 5.00 and 4.55. Uh, on top of that as well, uh, there's also, I believe, sensitive files like the um, uh, the QAMU BIOS and one other thing. Um, but mainly the, the copyrighted sensitive files that you need in conjunction with this, you have to dump them or you have to acquire them yourself. So it's not just completely self-sustained on here. Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's cool that you can at least run this. Yeah, and we don't have any inside information on this one, we but you know, a lot of times when we see emulators like this start to get at this point, they start to progress a lot quickly, whether it's you know getting that first foot in the door to help things move quickly, or just the general interest starts getting you know more attention and whatnot, and people start jumping on this more. Yeah. Um, it looks like there there is a GitHub available, so this is open source. So perhaps you know we'll see a lot of contributions, and maybe this will progress. But it's good news because mm. I mean this is I mean. I don't know, sometimes we see emulators in the current lifespan uh, of a, a console, but PS4 is still, it, it's still well in its life. It so, is. I mean, that's pretty cool. It is, yeah. And here, I was, I was looking for the disclosure here, but yeah, at the end of this article, it's saying, this project is not ready for end users. No binaries are provided, so you must build each of the three components, BIOS, GRUB, that's the one I was missing, QEMU, or QMU, uh, yourself. Furthermore, configuring the emulator to do something will be hard, as you will need to dump and decrypt the entire PS4 file system and S-Flash, including the kernel. 
You might find hints on how to do this in the few scattered.sh files in this repo. Of course, in the future, I'll make this emulator more user-friendly. Right. So this is, I mean, just useful for dev and such right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm at least happy to see it. And again, every emulator has started at this point. Right. And when we do get to the end of the PS4 life cycle, you know, I think we'll have a very good head start on an emulator. So I think that's pretty awesome. We will. We will for sure. So maybe we can eventually run PS, uh, PSX IT Arch or PS4 IT Arch. What was it? PSX IT Arch. PS, what? PS, PSX, PSX IT, IT Arch, Arch on this emulator. Right. On, on Arch Orbital. Linux, maybe. <laughs> that, oh, that would be cool. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, so using Arch Linux to boot up Orbital to boot up PSX IT Arch version right. 2 or whatever version it's going to be on at that point. That'd be as meta as it gets. Yeah. That, that's kind <laughs> of like when we were talking several months ago about, you know, the Switch emulator. I think it was Yuzu where you can boot up. You can use, you know, Fuse right. Jelly to boot up into Linux on your Switch to then boot up into Yuzu. Now, the performance loss going through all this oh, no, is going to be it's horrible. terrible. It's horrible, but still, you could use a Switch to emulate a Switch. Yeah, that'd be pretty <laughs> freaking sweet. Yeah. So, um, awesome to see the work on that, and definitely thanks to all the developers. I guess probably the main developer, Alex Altea, uh, who's been putting the work in on that. Yes, yeah, and even uh, one thing as well is, uh, thank you, X41, for plugging this. Um, I'm going to bring this up at least in the uh, on the screen share before we move on. But he also has a Patreon as well. So I think this, is, this has been two Patreons so far that we've plugged. Uh, I'll try my best to remember to put this down uh, in the description because I didn't have it on the show notes here. Uh, but this is the developer behind Orbital. So if you're all wanting to see any further progress on here and you're wanting to help out, uh, definitely recommend becoming a patron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it looks like there's already 65 patrons, which is, you know, for a project like this, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd like to see a lot of people supporting it. Yeah, um, so far. I'm sure the more money he gets every month, the more incentive he's going to have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So this one, I remember I saw you uh, you posted this in here, which I always think is, is kind of cool because it isn't exactly our traditional topics, mm-hmm. but we do have an update on an iOS 12 jailbreak. We do. So, yeah. Do um, you want to take this one since you're the iOS user between us? <laughs> yeah, I put sure. these in for you, man. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, this... I like modding my consoles. This is not going to go in my modding debt. Well, actually, I don't know. Oh, you're thinking, oh my God, well, you're so I've got, I've got my old iPhone 6 Plus laying around. Oh, you have two iPhones? Yeah. I didn't, oh yeah, you did, okay, now, never mind. Remember when I, remember I was now. experimenting? Yes, I remember now. So yep, I, you, were, I, you were given a 6 Plus, I remember. Right, so I'd gotten that All for right. cheap. I, I forgot about that. That was kind of like my entry point, like, can I deal with this? If I can, maybe I can deal with, you know, changing over to the iPhone and whatnot. So maybe I will give this a try. Maybe that'll be part of my, uh, my mod debt that we bring up. All right, cool. We'll see, no promises. I look forward to it. No promises, but that would be fun. Yeah. Essentially, we have a new iOS 12 jailbreak that we supports uh, A7, A8 devices. I don't even know what's in the 6. But um, I it mean, has, the 6 should be supported on this. I would hope so. Um, it's got a 95% success rate on older devices. Currently being done on uh, Work currently being done on supporting the latest A12 devices, which would be the, uh, the iPhone that I have in my pocket, the XS. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not going to be something I invest in. I've done jailbreaking in the past. It's not my thing. Um, I would say that I, w- I would take, you know, using a custom ROM or rooting an Android phone over that any day. Sure. But it's pretty cool. Um, so I don't really have any like real background stuff on it. Um, 
it looks like uh, I, th- I think it's actually released and whatnot, right? It is, yeah. And it's working on any devices at this point from A7 to A11 devices. So mm-hmm. it just does not work on the A12 devices. But the big thing was that with this is that you now have you know A7 and A8 devices available. Mm-hmm. So then on that as well too, I know like the firmwares that are available is, uh, I mean, mainly you can use this on iOS 12, which is the exciting thing right so that's the current latest uh release um it looks like to get your devices currently on ios 12.1.3 12.1.4 uh beta you can still downgrade to 12.1.1 beta 3 as apple is still signing it so that's one weird thing about iphones is that uh for a a time period apple will actually let you downgrade your firmware because you have to actually connect to the servers to essentially authenticate this so apple uh will let you downgrade for a time period and then they will cut that off Mm -hmm. uh so if you are interested in doing this i would try and hop on at least downgrading right now uh to the supported version i don't um, i don't like that but that, that is a principal thing i don't like where i remember like when i was in ios you could upgrade and downgrade really willy-nilly and then they started doing the signing thing mm-hmm. and you you cannot downgrade your iphone because apple says you cannot downgrade your iphone right yeah i mean it's it's a it's a downside um for sure i mean i guess depending on how you look at it right i think for the average user who doesn't really have to deal with it you know I get it. Yeah. But we're also particular people, right? Yeah. Um, so this is pretty much a very typical jailbreak. You know, there's not a lot of, like, groundbreaking stuff that happens with these. You get Cydia, um, and uh, you can basically install tweaks from there uh, as long as they uh, support iOS 12. Yes. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Cool? Cool. It's pretty neat. Yeah. So pretty you're, you might actually mess with this. Yeah I, yeah, I might. I've really been trying to think of some kind of use. I thought about selling my iPhone 6. Uh, to Truth be told, I've been really lazy and just haven't done it. It happens, man. Yeah, it I, happens. I had a friend who was going to buy it for me, and they backed down, and you know. And you're like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> just do the drunk uncle thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. So um, who knows? Maybe I'll have some news on that later. I look forward to that. Yeah, it actually, it would be kind of cool. I would even if I, did, I don't. I don't own any. I mean, I have a work iPhone, but I don't own any personal. Probably don't want to like <laughs> I mean, I I could, and I really don't think they're going to care that much. But the thing is, I don't use the work iPhone. Yeah. I just I don't even use it. So. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I think it would be a nice throwback because it's been since like the uh, second gen iPod Touch or the first gen iPad that I was jailbreaking. It's been a long time. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, no, I was. I think the last stuff I was jailbreaking was even like fourth. I want to say fourth gen iPods, iPod touches. So nice. I don't think fifth gen, but yeah. Well, well. Should we move on yeah. to our last topic of the night? Yes. Funny. I told you this looked like a lot of topics, but we have actually we've jammed through this pretty pretty quickly. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I remember I was because I was telling Devin about this. I was like, hey. I got this in two nice pages, and then I added the notes. I'm like, oh, my God, Devin, what did I do? I just expanded it. Please delete something. And then Devin added more on it, and I was like, yeah. okay. I told you okay. that's what I do. We're on, <laughs> we're on four pages. Don't add any more, please. But thankfully, no no other like big breaking news that I want to cover mm-hmm. came out. So, so this one on is one that I didn't hear about coming out. I didn't know if there really? was some kind of announcement like beforehand, but when it did come out, it was blowing up all over the Twitterverse. Yes, it was. We even saw some of our good friends like MVG talking about it, and we are talking about 
Ghidra? Ghidra. That's okay. how you say it. Yeah. Ghidra. Yeah. Unless any, I, I had to, because I was honestly, I was going to say like Ghidra or something mm. or Ghidra. That's what I was thinking of. But I had to look up videos and they were saying Ghidra. That's how you pronounce it. Which, first of all, <laughs> you're the one who showed me this picture. I love oh, this the little meme. meme. <laughs> <laughs> dude, my girlfriend loves it too. So like we'll randomly just meme that at times. Yeah, dude, it's so good. <laughs> But essentially, uh, this is crazy, because as far as I know, this wasn't leaked. This was, like, released, Officially right? released, yeah. By the NSA. Yes. So, you might want to be a little bit careful. So, if you're an American... Run this yes. in a VM. Right. <laughs> if you're an American, your tax dollars were actually put to potentially good work, I'm, right? I'm okay with this, yeah. at least, so... I mean, yeah, I mean, if they're at least doing this... I pay more in tax than I would pay for a IDA Pro license. Right, so. right, right. <laughs> so, um, essentially, this is a reverse engineering tool. Um, I looked into some of it. Uh, basically, it's, you know, you can use this tool to kind of break down, take, like, a binary, start breaking down the really rudimentary, like, methods and values, uh, kind of the variables that people are storing. If you kind of, like, re reverse it, study what it does, you can kind of you know, make notes and rename some of these uh, methods and stuff like that to help you make sense of it. But it's pretty crazy that this was actually released to the public. I mean, this is something that I would expect to maybe come out of like a Snowden-like leak, mm -hmm. but to actually be released to the public, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, just an official release. This is awesome. And I mean, the, the big thing here with it is, um, because prior to this, you know, the, the big... The real big reverse engineering tool is IDA Pro, and it's very expensive. It's thousands of dollars to purchase a license for it. So ID, not IDA, Ghidra is free. You can just download it, install it, run it for free, and it's quite comparable to IDA. In some aspects, it's better. In other ways, it's not. But the thing is, you're getting a reverse engineering tool worth thousands of dollars for free. Right. And that's cool. And people are, I mean, in the comment section, people have been raving about it on Twitter, everywhere. People have really been liking it. The people who use these reverse engineering tools, they have been liking it. And even if they're really, the big thing is the potential and there's scripts and other plugins and libraries that need to be ported over to it, mind you. But it has a lot of potential for even the things that might be lackluster or just are simply not there. But again, when it comes down to it, it's IDA Pro, thousands of dollars, Ghidra, free. Right. <laughs> now, and like you said, uh, and some of the people in the comments, like, is this safe to use? I mean, this is a Java application, and while I'm not the, an expert at, re you know, reversing Java applications, they're typically less obscured than um, a lot of other software, right? There is, I think the only thing I had seen, I saw a heads up on this where, again, that's why I warned if you're at all cautious about it, run this on a VM. Um, apparently, if you do run this in debug mode, there is a mysterious port that gets opened up, which could allow you to remote in or re allow other parties to remote into your computer. But again, that's only through launching Ghidra in debug. Right. And I don't have any proof of this. I don't have any like... That's just what I've seen from people's experiences. But I wouldn't be surprised, too, if somehow the NSA was collecting data, if this was phoning home and actually, like, giving the NSA some information on some of the software that's being reversed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? The NSA is probably not the most, uh, what, I mean, I don't know how to put this, I guess kind of trustworthy in terms of respecting your data? Uh, 
they they are the most trustworthy or they're, they're not. They're not. No, they're not. Right. I mean, history has shown that they're not. And this <laughs> software, while it is really cool, really interesting, and like you said, free is freaking incredible compared to our other alternatives. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket if this is something that you're really, really interested in. No. If you want to play around with it, I'm really, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about but it. But even if you do want to dive in fully, again, if you want to be safe, VM. Set sure. up a VM, VM environment, put it in there. Mm-hmm. And one thing I think is really cool, it uh, does support 64-bit versions of Win- Windows, Linux, and Mac OS. Um, it is so a pretty... on everything. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And it's pretty heavy. I mean, that's also what you get with a lot of Java applications, right? You know, that's it's kind of nice. You get a lot Java. of that out of the, out of the box. <laughs> um, uh, you do have to have four gigs of RAM and a gig of hard drive space, so it's pretty heavy. But yeah, I mean, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, the gig of hard drive space isn't that bad because I mean, storage is so cheap now. But yeah, four gigs of RAM—that's eh, beefy. Yeah. But it's even saying here uh, it will run on most computers from the past decade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so it looks like you got some notes from Kiwi Dog on yes, here. Do you want to go over some of those? Yes, big shout out to Kiwi Dog. Yeah, so uh, some of the notes that he had told me that I want to shout out on here were he had said it's probably better in analysis and definitely more flexible. However, it does crash often. It takes forever to analyze large binaries. And the community, he was saying that the community can fix this up with PRs and patches, which is why I had discussed, you know, um, any of the improvements that we could see down the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, if this is open source, I didn't find a, a, a repo link, but I guess it's out there. Um, you know, hopefully either people will make a perhaps more safe link um, or see, where is it? I guess uh, there get, is a GitHub, GitHub repository. It's on the right. official Ghidra site. So National you, Security Agency, that's their GitHub account. And let me do it. Kind of curious as to what else here. is on yeah. there. National Security Agency, that's their account, and Ghidra is right here. So, yeah, it's fully open source. <laughs> their logo is pretty freaking sweet, too, I have to admit. Just a bit. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll even get to a point where if there there is some kind of sketchy material in here, maybe someone can fork it and you can, you know, get it compiled from source without any of the weird port openings or anything that, you know, may violate your privacy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, awesome. Um, I really can't complain too much. Can't complain too much. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have more think, information about this coming out. I think the only other thing that I could add into this is uh, a lot of the, like, for example, with how this relates to console modding is, you know, you can throw things in, reverse them. Um, but when I talk about, you know, libraries, binaries, things being added and support being added, uh, there are loaders that are coming out. I know Kiwi, shout out to him again, he had ported over a PS4 loader. So you can essentially reverse, you know, PS4L files and other sensitive files. There are some out for Switch, and it's really just going to be a matter of the community bringing over support for these libraries and such uh, to fully reverse these, you know, game console files and reverse them. So it makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it gets put to good use. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's all we can hope for. Kind of curious. Now that we're at the end of the show, I kind of want to go look back. So there's only 22 commits so far. So I'm guessing it was really probably committed in bulk at once, um, and you know minor updates. And though it looks like the updates initial commit was 20 days ago, and you know there was a commit five days ago. Mm-hmm. So. Minor text the, corrections. The... That was actually from a pull request. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting. Right on. Well, yeah. When it comes to topics, guess what? We're done. 
Oh, you're just looking at Ghidra and all that stuff mm-hmm. here. Yeah, Devin's like really invested in like looking at all the commits and notes and everything. And well, comments. it's even funny that like over here they like just improperly spelled Mac OS as in like capital M, you know, lowercase AC space OS, and someone was just like, let me fix that to Mac OS, like the proper, <laughs> you know. So it's even some of these like PRs are like really, uh, really not that intense, but it's kind of cool to actually see the community diving in on this and shaping it up for sure. Here we go. I don't. Do you know who Richard Stallman is? Yes. So there's a Richard <laughs> Stallman meme that was even posted in, as a comment, which is pretty funny. Amazing. So yeah, I, I think it's cool. You know, again, privacy oriented NSA. They don't really go well together, but no, not if really. This can help propel the community in one way or another. That's awesome. Hell yeah. But like we mentioned, that's all for topics. Are you? That are is. You, are you have anything else to say on no, Deidre? That's it. Yeah. I, again, I'm I'm looking forward to what the community is able to do with it, what support is added, and all that fun stuff. And let's get into the Q and A. So, absolutely. This is something that we generally do for the last 20, 30 minutes of the show or so, and we just like to take questions from you all. So, if you all have any questions you want to ask us, any topics you want us to talk about or discuss, please don't drop them down in the comments section or wherever it is. I don't even think it'd be down, but just drop them in the comments. Now, for anybody who is watching this after the stream or you're listening to it, uh, we only do, you know, the Q&A stuff live on the stream. So if you're ever interested in asking us comments and, well, asking us questions live, uh, then try and come out to one of the streams. We try and stream. We do it at, you know, around somewhere in the middle of the month on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. So if you're able to come out, we normally announce these shows a few days in advance. And if you can come out, ask some stuff, hang out, you know, chat it up, that'd be awesome. And if not, it's all good, but we we hope you do come out at one point. And I've got my first thing. It's not a question, but good friend of the show, moderator even, Tristan. We should talk about Google killing inbox. You (laughs) You are very invested in that. I want to hear this. No, not anymore. Damn it. All okay, right. you were. Yeah. In, no, Inbox was awesome. It's sad. Google did their freaking spring cleaning and got rid of Allo, which we had experimented with. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty decent platform for what it was, um, but, you know, couldn't couldn't stay afloat with all the other messaging platforms that are up there that are way more popular. Uh, Inbox is essentially a, uh alternative client for Gmail, still on the web and whatnot. Um, which handled in, uh, email quite a bit differently. I liked it a lot. They started to port over some of the stuff to Gmail, and even when they did the big Gmail update, they were like, oh, don't worry, G- Inbox isn't going anywhere, and this was like freaking, what, in October or something? I don't know, somewhere late last year. And they were like, don't worry, it's not going anywhere. We're going to experiment on Inbox, and that way we can leave Gmail for like the kind of normal users, you know, all the grandparents and all the parents that are using this that don't want you know, their email client ripped, under, ripped from underneath them. Mm-hmm. And they did bring over some features like snoozing and stuff like that. That's cool. It's fine. But it's not the same, and I am bummed. A lot of people are d- bummed. Tristan's bummed. <sighs> I'm not bummed because I don't know what I'm missing. Yeah. I wish I could. I don't, is, it, is it even, let's see if it's still up. I don't know. And that's that's Google pulling a Google, unfortunately. They'll support something, and then they'll tell you one thing and do another thing. And so, it's, it's disappointing. First of all, you can actually – you stream can't see my screen, but real quick, purchases. Here's a bundle. It actually shows through in a good UI, actually, some of the purchases that I have. Oh, you're showing me inbox on your right. screen. And I'm, and I'm not going to share Devin's screen right, just right, right. for you know, privacy but, reasons. But that looks so nice. So And then you can expand purchases. Oh, man. And then you can actually clear the whole thing right now. Now I know which, what I'm missing. That's sad. And then here is like a toggle to only go to pinned messages. 
Um, they had Google Hangouts built into, but Google, Gmail has that as well. And obviously, sure. Google Hangouts is going away as well. They're axing that. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so they are officially axing it. Yes. Because I, I swear they've said they're axing it like multiple times. Well, they're, they're extending it. Yeah, so what they want to do is go for uh, <sighs> Hangouts Chat and Hangouts Meet for Enterprise. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing Google Duo and um, uh, kind of just me- the messages application using RCS for uh, rich communication texting. something right, right. rich okay. communication services okay there we go thank you um but yeah you're you're all into that which i very much appreciate because for me i just like the only time i care about phones is when i'm in the market for a new <laughs> phone and then once i get one i'm excited for a bit and then i just use it i love phones I and there's nothing phones. wrong with that but even look at this like again we're not going to show my screen but look it has my freaking vacation details just right there like that's cool that ui is like so much better than what gmail has mm-hmm. and even but i guess G- i'm just used to gmail's ui so again it's like i don't know what i'm missing and it's it hasn't been given to me and then ripped away like it has for you so Dude. i totally understand that now when is inbox dying uh in a few days oh no yeah i I'm think i'm so sorry um inbox i'm so sorry i don't uh i don't remember the exact day but it's really soon um yeah it's going away at the end of march so it's march now <laughs> yeah yeah it's i mean we have another at most what 11 days yeah and also <laughs> google plus so if you haven't gotten your google plus data downloaded and you want to go get yeah, that crap. i need to do that shout out to uh nicholas on here i know he's <laughs> he kept posting in the discord when he was trying to use takeout to get all of his items and everything all of his data from google plus and it just kept failing really so he couldn't even get his stuff <laughs> yeah I, I don't know i haven't done it i might go ahead and do it just to do it you know just to be a digital hoarder but yeah there's not like i use google plus more than a lot of people but there's not a lot that i actually really care about on there i understand i didn't really upload a lot of content it was really just kind of discussions and it was a nice place to go for kind of more of the linux and hacker crowd they seem to kind of hang out there which is interesting enough apparently i was told that it was really nice to use for like workplace settings like it was a really awesome workplace um, or like enterprise style social network and connecting network on there i guess you can say so that's been the disappointing thing Mm -hmm. yeah i know at work like several years ago we had a I worked at a place that used the Google suite for everything, and it was so nice. And then we changed to Microsoft stack, and it just sucks. Bro, I still got the G suite. Man, I'm so jealous. Dude, and it's so sweet. And so actually, with Hangouts going away, one really cool thing, if you're ever like in a place that uses G suite, um, so for every single meeting we have, right, that goes on our calendar, there's a link. Uh, you click on it, and there's an instant Hangouts meet link. That's cool. And so it's always hosted, which means <clears throat> if we have some remote employees, right? So no one has to actually create a, a, like a hangout session. It's just automatically there. So everyone just knows to go to the calendar, invite, click on the link, and we all just jump in at once. No one needs to start it. No one's sending a link around. It's already there just immediately as the calendar invite is created. That's cool. Yeah. So I really like that integration. Of course, I, I even though I have an iPhone now, I use all the Google apps. I don't really use any of the stock Apple apps. Right on. So Google Calendar. And I remember you told me they're quite good on iOS. Yeah, totally. Don't have really any issues. Cool. Only the issues that I have with like all the Google products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of course. We, you know, they're not perfect, but I think they go across platform. For sure. For sure. XBMC mods for Xbox. Said, Mr. Mario, do you still got some OG Xbox videos planned? Or I are do. you done? No, uh, I do have some planned that are in the chamber right now, loaded up. They'll be coming out, and uh, I've got others that are recorded and some others that are edited. So there's still more Xbox stuff coming out. Cool, thankfully. I saw so. your uh, the uh, executor 
uh, Xbox up there when we were doing a little mod party. Oh, yeah. I got to see it firsthand. I should have actually like, had you like fire it up for me. But, we can do it before you leave. Um, uh, maybe. It depends, depends on when we wind down, but yeah. maybe. I mean, dude, just you're, you're going to get to see the nice colors of the bios yeah. and everything change. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it looks cool. I just like seeing the buttons and the switches on my system. All right. Yeah, no, I think that was one of the first times <laughs> I've ever actually seen like the hardware kind of panel on the front. Mm-hmm. So it was cool. Right on. Every other Xbox I've ever used has always been soft modded. So, uh, was it like soft modded? Well, you had some chips, right? You had some. Chip no, systems. I told you about that. Uh, so my dad back in the day, like, man, I was probably like eleven years old, but um, my dad tried to do our first Xbox mod himself. Um, we had seen some people online they kind of told us about the executor chips and he installed one i think it was a Sodalus model and um uh, something happened because he was doing it while i was at school and basically we got out of school and my dad was just like yeah i fried it like the xbox and the chip somehow i still don't know how i don't think he <laughs> knows he tried how to blame you all for no, it. he didn't blame he was just like you guys gotta help pay with your allowance and, we're and like, you're like bro, bro you like fry the xbox and then like he came back <laughs> my dad was also a very avid halo 2 player so he came back an hour later and was like all right we're going to GameStop. <laughs> yep. So, and then I don't know why he trusted me, but like a few weeks later, I was on Xbox Live, came across some modders, and I was like, "How are you doing this?" And in my freaking squirrely eleven-year-old voice, these people who are much older than me were like, "Oh, just get Splinter Cell, do this, go to uh, what was it? Um, gosh, what was the site? It was like Seven Sins or something like that. Probably. Yeah. Is it the web? That's a website. Right? So, yeah, yeah. So Seven Sins was that, originally that was, for Xbox modding. It's still around. That's where I went. Uh, yeah. And learned well, it was originally for Halo Two modding. Excuse me. Right. But, so yeah. that's kind of where I learned everything. Uh, I know that that reminds me of like the buddy who I, I mentioned this before. Uh, and thankfully, uh, WC anyways, shout out to him in the chat here. He actually even found the link to this, but butter knifing an Xbox mm-hmm. that was used to essentially the, the host with what would happen. Like you, you couldn't, after some point, you couldn't mod the Halo 2 stock maps. You could only mod the DLC ones. So in order to force the DLC maps to load, the host or just like people, the important people in the lobby would have to butter knife their Xbox, which is taking a butter knife, shoving it under the second X in the word Xbox and pushing down on it so it stops the disc. Mm-hmm. So your game is running, but it can't read any of the maps because the disc is stopped. So it has to load up a modded map and then mm-hmm. everyone's able to do that. Um, but the same friend who told me about that originally he had said that's kind of how he learned how to soft mod his Xbox. He was in a room with some modders, and he asked about it. He was like 11, 12 at the time. And he actually ended up giving his phone number to somebody who called him and told him what to do and walked him through the process. That's wild. And he soft modded his Xbox. That's like, wild. Same method. He got action replay and won the exploit games. I just feel like, I don't know. Maybe I just don't have faith in people like that anymore. Those were like the good old days. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know either. That's hilarious, though. See, I didn't even know about this whole butter knife trick uh, until you told me about it like six months ago or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and then I was even sitting here. I was like, I've only heard this from one person. Is this a thing? And WC anyways just dro- he dro- he dropped it. He, he dropped the him. link on us, and I'm like, holy shit, it, ex- it exists. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah. See, every time I did something, I had loaded all of my maps, uh, even the um, even the on-disc ones, onto my hard drive, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd mod them on there, and I would use X-Link Kai, which I know we've mentioned on the stream yes. before. And so I would have fun with that, especially because X-Link Kai had like modding lobbies. And so I'd go create a, a modding lobby or join one. And, you know, it was just really people like expecting to just jack around. So that was pretty sweet. For sure. 
There is a one question I want to grab, and I'll actually take this one because I, I I know the exact setup on here. Um, first of all, I'm gonna drop this link. This is gonna be at least in the description. It is a full disclosure affiliate link, but this is to the Amazon store where everything I'm gonna talk about is available on there. But I'm being asked, I guess I'll just address these one by one. What camera and mic are you guys using? The camera I'm using right now is a Panasonic G7. The microphones mm. are Audio-Technica AT2020s. What's your streaming setup? Right now, I'm using OBS to stream and do all this stuff. Uh, the microphones, by the way, because they are XLR mics, you they are not USB. So I have them hooked up to a Focusrite 2i2, which is connected then through USB to my PC. Uh, and then here, what software? I already described that. OBS, what hardware setup? Um, actually, some of these I'm already double answering. But hardware setup, honestly, just a general run-of-the-mill it's just like some old dell desktop i got that's running an i5 2500 in there or no it's a 2600 just the regular model not the k uh, and it just has like a basic some type of basic cheap um gtx video card that has hdmi out so nothing too big on there i just more needed cpu stuff as opposed to anything gpu intensive uh, and then finally, the audio interfaces, again, focus right to 2i2 to actually have these both set up. So that's all the stuff that we use to make this magic happen here. And the table. Right. Yeah. Which <laughs> it was actually bought specifically for this. Yes, it was. <laughs> see. Oh, man. Want me to grab another I'm seeing? Sure. So let's see. Uh, question for my boys. I appreciate that. Is the Vita playing PSP games with the same resolution and frame rate as the PSP, or is it playing it at the different resolution and frames per second? I believe they are at least upscaled because you're running it through um, you're running it through Adrenaline, but I believe the emulator at least upscales it, but it's not running it at a native higher resolution, which is why something like you know the uh, GTA native resolution patch came out. Um, but no, the performance should be the same, and even the native resolution should be the same. Unfortunately, that what happens with that is when you're playing them over a PlayStation TV or a PlayStation Vita, it doesn't look as crisp as it should. Right. Because the Vita screen is like a bit bigger than the PSP. It's right? noticeably bigger, and yeah. And it's a higher resolution, so it, I mean, it's like playing a, a game, maybe not quite this dramatic, but if you play like a Game Boy Color game on your TV, that's going to look stretched and mm-hmm. <laughs> not that great. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, you can go ahead and grab something. I see Katsu Kyogen. I know I asked this on Discord, but would like some more advice on where I can get started with developing homebrew. Um, so we'll be honest. That's you. Yeah. It depends <laughs> on, I guess, if you are into programming at all. Um, I kind of like when I was, I think I started coding when I was about 14 years old and I did try and start doing some PSP homebrew. And while I actually did manage to get some stuff uh, even released and out there, um, I, I looked at it and, you know, there was a lot of tutorials kind of getting started on learning some tool chains they always say, make sure you're whatever language proficient in C or proficient in whatever. And you're like, C is like, yeah, that's the third letter of the alphabet. What's right. up? <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I want to continue on. Don't rush it. Really learn the fundamentals of coding. I know you want to jump into 
uh, developing, you know, homebrew and whatnot, but you really got to like ease into it because there's going to be so much more complexity. Uh, the toolkits aren't going to be nearly as refined or as easy to use as like a standard like SDK or something like that, like your Java SDK. You're going to have so much more library support on something more standard like, you know, whether it's Java, whether you're learning Python. If you want a very good beginner thing, I've recommended Code Academy for years. They have quite a few free tutorials and paid ones if you want to go that way. Uh, Udemy.com also has a lot of good free stuff that is more video tutorial oriented. Um, but Code Academy uh, is, is one of my favorite places to direct people to kind of getting started. Um, take your time. If you know somebody who's into coding, definitely ask them. Having a mentor is extremely valuable to kind of fill in some of those gaps because there, there's a lot of knowledge and um, some of those tutorials can go quickly and it's hard to explain absolutely everything that you might need to know. And people learn differently. They might like process things differently. And when you're getting started with coding, it's a weird beast. But the more you learn how to code, the more you get into it, the more rapidly you can pick up other languages and everything else. Um, so start slow. And I, I think you'll, if you, if you like coding, if you really would be the kind of person to get in developing homebrew, you're going to enjoy just coding on a computer or whatever. And these days, even developing on your mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android, it's really, there's not a huge barrier to entry. Um, you can start coding and getting things on your devices loaded up, uh, you know, a good UI that you can actually play around with and touch without having to pay anything. If you want to release software on those stores, you're going to have to pay a developer's license, but to get going, you, you know, you're going to be good. And there's tons of tutorials on that stuff on getting started, so you're going to have a lot more resources than developing homebrew. Uh, so take it one step at a time. Um, again, I, I haven't developed homebrew in a long time, so I can't guide you to uh, some specific websites on getting started with any of those. But if you haven't coded, start slow. Enjoy the ride. What he said, because I'm not a professional coder. So. <laughs> yeah, and you never know. I started doing some stuff on the PSP because I thought that was cool and I was really into modding it. And here I am uh, with a career in developing you know, web services and web apps. And, stuff and we appreciate like you for it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no problem. It's nothing anybody you guys are going to use. You know, this is like enterprise software, but, you know, I definitely have no regrets. I, I love what I do. Uh, some people would end up going some of that more low-level hacker, you know, route or whether it's embedded systems or anything like that. Uh, I really like the high-level coding, um, developing software that users can use that, you know, works well that people enjoy. Yeah, sure. You never know where it's going to take you. True that. That's why it's it's helpful to have all these different hobbies at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you played around with this. Zach over here says, "Can you load games on the NES or SNES Classic?" Yes. Yes. Quick answer. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to grab this one because it's one of the older questions sure, here sure. Um, from nearby gamer. Just another thing is, if you have a modded dashboard on the 360, can you still get your live account banned? Oh, yeah, I saw this one. And just asking, because I'm thinking on doing some dashboard if I can and how. Um, I mean, yeah, you can still get banned on there, absolutely, because the only way you can have a modded dashboard is if you have a hard-modded system. And generally, from what I've noticed, at least, and from what I've experienced, uh, at this point now, if you're going online with a hard-modded system and a stealth server, if you do get banned, Generally, you get console banned, but your account generally does not get banned. But that's not to say that your account will never get banned. It is possible, but just at least the observations and from what I've seen, you'll get hit with a console ban, which thankfully you can unban yourself by loading up a new KV on there. Account bans are certainly possible. It really depends on how good the stealth is on your stealth server. 
But generally for good ones, I've even talked to some owners and all that. They're just like, yeah, just replace the KV and you'll be good and your account should still be fine. To go back, Zach, I'm not sure if you were talking about like other games, but you can load NES and SNES stuff. I'm not sure if it's uh, you can't load any other software on it, really, right? I mean, the PSX kind of has some emulator support, but uh, for the for which one for uh, the NES and the SNES classic, you can ro- load RetroArch and you can run other games and stuff really? on there. Okay, yeah, okay, that sounds kind of familiar now. Yeah. I haven't messed with it, but um, you definitely can. Um, uh, trying to think there is a limitation because of the internal memory right yeah the internal storage is not very good on there and there's actually external storage options dang i see i missed out on that too yeah i haven't used those ones yet but you can set those up pretty easily Mm -hmm. from what i understand now and there's i haven't used mine in a while it was more i modded them up i added a few extra games just to make myself happy and that was about it for me right but i know there's so much more that you could do on there luckily those consoles don't get firmware updates so once you get it set up they can't get firmware updates right that's the funny thing so once you get it set up it's not something you really have to worry about yeah except for technically the playstation classic can get firmware updates which is how like that that's how the whole like you know signing key and all that got out there and then you're technically loading in a payload but um Really, it can't be remotely updated. They have to be updated at the factory, which they haven't been. So on top of that as well, too, I'm just thinking of that. The NES and SNES classics, remember several months ago when we said that they are just ending production on them? Mm-hmm. So they're going to sell through the holiday and that's it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's getting to the point now I can't find them in stores. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're gone. But at least Nintendo like made it clear and they made their intentions clear. and They said that and they were very honest about it this time around. I just, so I can appreciate that. Those run so well. I just I don't understand the decision. I, I would like to see the sales numbers on that to see that really like what what the incentive to not sell them is. It's pretty pretty much a bummer. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of that decision. Mm-hmm. You you see in let me see here. There's one thing. I guess this is specifically for me, but I know Tavin was asking uh, if I have anything planned for a hundred thousand. It's 100,000 subscribers. I do. I haven't. I've told one person, Devin, I want to get you in on it. So I don't, I I don't even know. Well too. I don't even know, dude. Yeah, I haven't told anyone who I want to be involved because it's several months away, you know, yeah, at sure. best. Because it's not going to be here tomorrow, but I have a few more months to plan for it. But it's going to. The idea I have, it's going to require some coordination. The last big celebration I did was my 50,000 subscriber milestone. Uh, we got a DNA test done on Lily. Because people were constantly asking what breed she is. And I was like, I don't know. But maybe we should do that for 50K. Do a Lily Exposed video. And that actually really helped out. Because now whenever people ask me what the hell she is, I can tell them. And if I don't remember, I just link them to my 50,000 subscriber Q&A video. Because I cover that at the beginning. I can't wait to hear about it. Yes. (laughs) That's all for now. That's all for now. (laughs) Here's something that SMG of DVLD. Has said, sure. I'm not sure how you might pronounce that, but uh, so just something for a PS3. Would you say that a custom firmware PS3 is better or a uh, hand one? Uh, thanks for your channel. I love the mod chats. Oh, well, appreciate that at the end, but uh, no, custom firmware PS3 all day. I would imagine. I very much respect hand. I think it's awesome, but I even said in my tutorials, I'm like, look, if you have the option to install custom firmware, do custom firmware. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the system, I recommend getting rid of your 
non-custom firmware capable system and getting a hold of a custom firmware capable system and modding that. Usually that's the way to go. Yeah. Shigate Media. Danny, are you into anime besides Pokemon? Kind of I regarding am. your Pikachu hat. I am, yeah. yeah. I think you're you're definitely a bit more into it than I am, too. I would say so. I don't watch it on the regular, and that's just because I don't. Yeah. But, like, right now I'm watching a lot of real shit. Like, yeah. I'm or the current shows I'm watching, I'm, like, watching, like, finishing 30 Rock, finishing The Sopranos, um, going through Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now. Ooh, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine's good. It's really funny. <laughs> My girlfriend watches it, and it's a good show. We've just been binging it. Yeah. It's been so great. <laughs> uh, I'm not, like, caught up on it, but I've watched some of the newer episodes that she keeps up with. It's definitely a good show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah I, I personally, like, I appreciate the crap out of anime. Um, I just... I'm not much we, of like a consumer. We gushed about uh, Spirited Away. Briefly. Yeah, just recently. Yeah, yeah. The, the other day we were texting yeah. and we were just like, oh, Spirited Away. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> girlfriend has not seen it, so it's it's a must watch. So yeah. I'm going to... If anyone has not seen Spirited Away, like that is, that's like the one anime film that you should watch. Yeah, I agree. If you can it's only incredible. choose one. It's incredible. Yeah. So I definitely appreciate it, but I'm also just not that much of a, a like a consumer of that kind of media. You know what I mean? I get it. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I watch know. it here and there. Like some of my favorites, like uh, honestly, a guilty pleasure is like Sword Art Online. I enjoy that. Um, probably one of my favorites is, um, I mean, Cowboy Bebop's definitely up there. Elfin Lead still probably has to be my favorite. Um, for nostalgia and just for the weirdness, I've always liked Fooly Cooly a lot. I need to give that another watch. I only went through it one time. I, the, it's the, short, an- dude. the anime I relate to that, even though they're not really related, is. Um, Gurren Lagann. I never watched. That was, oh, that was a really good one. Um, G Gundam is fantastic as well. Uh, Dot Hack Sign, I really enjoyed, and I rewatched it a few times back in the day. And then I remember when I saw Sword Art, I went back to Dot Hack Sign, and it's just, it's not that it's bad, it's just it's extremely slow. Hmm, yeah. That's my issue. I never watched it's... much of the anime of that, but my brother played a bunch of the Cow- games, and I'd kind of watch him play those. Cowboy Bebop is another yeah. masterpiece as well, too. One of my favorite things in, in the Cowboy Bebop film, did you ever see that? There, there's sometimes, I just I just feel like this if I'm like in a rush and I have to go to the bathroom or something. But at one point, like near the beginning, there's some dudes that are doing a robbery, and I think one person's in the bathroom. If it's not Spike, it's someone else. And he comes out. They, I'm pretty sure it's Spike, but he fucks up the robbery. And one of the robbers just gets all angry. And he's like, and, and you, you take too long to shit. <laughs> and I just, that, that truly spoke to me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to give it a try. I watched Cowboy Bebop uh, back on Adult Swim when it was on. So I didn't like, I'd watch it like here and there, like when it was on. But mm-hmm. I never went all the way through. I got the full series list. on Blu-ray. Nice. Yeah, that was one of the few that I bought. And I was like, I need this. I need a Blu-ray player, and maybe I'll borrow them from you. Uh, you, yeah, you don't. Damn, you don't have a Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be well, like, my, oh, PS3. No, my girlfriend has a, her PS4. Oh, that so, works. As long yeah. as it's not a 4K Blu-ray, you'll be okay. Yeah, and maybe, uh, maybe we can enjoy watching that together. That'd be pretty cool. Um, let's see, moving on. Uh, X41 here. Uh, what keyboards you guys use? What's your opinion on mechanical keyboards? I love them. You actually like uh, sent me a link to a mono price keyboard. Remember that? I did because you were you were on you were like me. You were on the fence about a mechanical keyboard, and I was like, hey, I haven't really tried this one, but if you're wanting to dip your toes in it, like actually use one and buy one, but not spend a whole lot of money, 
Here's a monoprice keyboard that's like fifty bucks. It was, no, it was like thirty, dude. Oh, okay. It was like and it was like cheap. it was like an actual. It it wasn't one of those fake mechanical keyboards because there's there's mechanical keyboards out there where they say they're like hybrid mechanical and it's mechanical type keys with membrane right, instead of like actual switches. Clicky membrane. And I'm like, no, that's not mechanical. That's no. still membrane. But I linked you an actual, like, no frills, very boring, just black, basic yeah, mechanical No support. LEDs, none of that crap. It's not Corsair. It's literally like a monoprice branded. Um, I like it a lot. And honestly, um, I've thought about upgrading that one, but I haven't really had a real big need. I want to actually get a, a mechanical keyboard for my work because I actually took that to my job at first, and it was just too loud. I think it has blue switches. <laughs> Oh yeah, or I reds. like I like blues. No, 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 reds are quiet. Reds are quieter. Yeah, must red, be, must be blues. Reds are the ones, and aren't I, browns the most quiet, or some of the most quiet? No, because I have a set of browns upstairs, mm. and they're they're not they're quieter than blues. But reds are the ones you want to use if you type on a red keyboard. It feels like a membrane keyboard to me, mm. which is why I never liked mechanicals at the beginning because people would be like, "Yo, dude." Try this keyboard. It's amazing. And I type on it, and I'm like, this feels the same as, like, my cheap $20 keyboard. What the hmm. fuck? And, uh, no, Reds, the, the big thing with them is that they have the best response time, hmm. and they don't have as much um, interference between keys. So they are excellent for gaming if you want a gaming mechanical keyboard. Hmm. For me, I don't game on PC as much, and I bottom out my keys. So at work, I have a set of... Originally, because I, I have two Corsair K70s, one of them, the first one I bought was blue switches, and then I bought browns for work because I still wanted that same type of clickety-clack, but not as loud, and then I ended up realizing browns are my favorite, so I prefer brown switches, like Cherry MX Brown, but I ended up bringing those ones home, and then I essentially converted my blue one into a brown, but I just spent like $7 on um, dampeners install them on all the keys mm, you told me about that yeah so now i don't have to press down as far and it's quieter it's a bit of a different feel but it's at least quieter so i'm no That's expert nice. on switches x41 here says get clears they're tactile but silent basically the blues without the click so oh maybe i'll look into those oh so. that sounds awesome yeah, but I do like them, and I'd like to find a good one for my to take to my work because my original blues were just too loud. Blues are loud as they, fuck. But I also like it because it makes me feel like Hacker Man. I know it's great. <laughs> That's why I liked them too. Um, it's eight fifty-five here right now. What do you say we take just a couple more here? And I'm down for that. Yeah. So um, K19 has one thoughts on Cuphead on the Switch. I'm ready. I have not played awesome. Cuphead yet. I've seen a lot of gameplay. Honestly, I haven't. I, I haven't had a console to play it on. I guess it's on PC, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's on PC so and I, Xbox One. I, I thought about getting it on PC. I just haven't gotten around to it. I would totally love playing it on a Switch. I think that'd be awesome. Now, what they have, it's it's like they're saying it's going to be like compatible on the Switch through Xbox Live on the Switch, it's, which I still don't really know what that means. Yes, it's going to have Xbox Live, so apparently you're going to have access to Xbox Live friends. You're going to have Xbox Live achievements on there and such. Gotcha. And I, I saw somewhere that essentially... Because Xbox Live, it's no longer just delegated to Xbox. That's what right. They want to do everything on the ecosystem. So, for example, it's going to be the Xbox service now, not just a console. And there's going to be Xbox Live on Switch and Xbox Live on PC. And from what I see, I mean, this is the the way they should should do it, I guess. Because they don't... If you have to pay for Switch Online and Xbox Live, it's not going to be successful. No. So, like, for example, if you're playing a game on 
on the Switch that requires Xbox Live, apparently you don't have to pay for that Xbox Live subscription. And some people were complaining about it, understandably so, because now it's at this point, it's like, wait a minute, the service is called Xbox Live, and it's free everywhere except the Xbox 360 and Xbox <laughs> One consoles. So what the hell? Like, I go out and buy the Xbox hardware, and I'm the only one that has to pay for it. And I had kind of made a joke on Twitter saying something like, hey, back in the day, that free Xbox Live Gold campaign worked. It's kind of our fault, though, because we forgot to tell them that we wanted it free on the consoles. Yeah. Not free for <laughs> everyone else except the consoles. <laughs> but like you said, I kind of understand the, the motive behind it. Yeah. I get it. Um, Tristan here. Tristan, thank you so much again for... I, I think he donated $2 last time, right? Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah I think I, so. I think it was $2, but... But yeah, got to throw in my $2 before the stream ends. Thank you very much, dude. <laughs> thank you Honestly, so much. Honestly, I feel yeah. like your moderation pays for itself. Yeah. So, like, there's no, yeah. no need to give us money, we but it's... We should be paying him $2. Oh, thank you man. for that. <laughs> we should. Lily is just, like, biting her leg. It sounded really weird in the other room. <laughs> it sounded like she was biting her, like, a literal bone. Yeah, no, well, I mean, technically her legs have bones. I mean, yeah, but... You're, like, you're not wrong. <laughs> it was savage sounding. Yeah. We both just... <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, wait, what the hell is going on? But yeah. um, So let's see, you want to you try and grab uh, one more here? Uh, Sure. Uh, Well, I guess optionally. Shigade Media again. Danny, what's your day job, can you say? Uh, Just, I guess, I'm, I'm thinking of the best way of saying it. Um. I do support for a product stack for other enterprises. Mm -hmm. That's, I guess, the best I can say it on there. I still want to be general at the same time. Right. But, yeah, it kind of just involves a little bit of everything, a little bit of actual solution development, server administration, scripting here and there. Mm -hmm. So it's stuff I've been doing for a few years. I have fun with it because I get to do a bit of everything right. and refine my palette on several different things here and there. I think one thing you've described is kind of like installs and upgrades too at times. Yes, so. yeah. I know how to do all that shit as well. So it's it's been stuff that I've been working on for the past few years. And mm -hmm. It's fun. And I've been on several different product stacks too, so I'm kind of just all over the place. But yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Sounds like it from what I've talked to you, so. Yeah. Let's see. Well, yeah, uh, I, IT stuff for sure. We're both kind of in the IT field, which is really cool. Yeah. Last thing here. I guess this can be the Ooh, last I one I missed here. that one. Hyperkin Duke controller thoughts. This is from Roberto Santiago. Okay. Is this like, we're we talking like the Duke? Yeah. I got one downstairs if you want to see it. No. Yeah. No, hold on. Let me, hold on. Uh, you look at that and share your thoughts. I'm going to get it real quick. I'm going to show you. Yeah, absolutely. For those of you who don't remember what the Duke is, it was basically the very first original Xbox controller, which the Duke was very aptly named because it was massive. I remember having one because I had an Xbox pretty early on. Um, I don't think I have the nostalgia for this like other people do, but I feel like I would still be interested in maybe buying one of these just to have it. Now, uh... Do you know if this is a like an actual official licensed product? I guess it is officially right licensed, here, officially licensed by Xbox. So it's made by Hyperkin, licensed by Xbox. We've got the original Xbox logo on there, which is pretty sweet. Funny enough, we're actually I'm I'm gonna open this up here for the first time because uh, check this out. So Very I haven't cool. even I just haven't bothered to use it, so I had to slice it open. But I, I want to get your reaction on this. Ooh, and while you do that, ooh, hold on, hold on. Oh, holy shit. All right. Yeah, no. You have to put the gym in? No, this is a screen. It's a screen? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it has like the okay, little that's trippy. Whoa, this is my first time taking a look at this. It is that actual size of the Duke? Because yeah, still, it still looks you, bigger. You than want I me expected. to get a legitimate Duke? No, no, no. We should probably wrap up the stream pretty soon. Okay, but, uh, I think we could probably. I was going it. to wow. say it's it it's so accurately shitty. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, the best way I can describe well, and, it. And they had to put the extra bumpers somewhere. So it's like. Dude, this is like the most awkward bumper ever. I know, I know. The, the, the thing, screen is awesome, though. I, I will say the thing I don't like about just all the hype around this is, I mean, Xbox One, it, it takes a lot of jokes that the, uh, you know, it just has, it doesn't really have games. It has a ton of controllers. But the the thing is with this is I saw people legitimately excited for the Duke. And like, look, I got one. And even though I just kind of ripped on it and said it's shitty, I've, I grew up on the Duke. That was the con the only control I had for years. So I was used to it. And even now, it's like I can play on it easily enough. I do notice with games that were designed without the Duke in mind, I prefer to use the S controller. But if it's a game like the first Halo, where it was designed for the Duke at the time, it's easy enough to play through or like many other games. So they're fine for me. But I just didn't understand all the hype around it because I was like, why are... Like this is this controller's just always panned and made fun of, and now people are excited about it, and I don't get that. It's nostalgia. I guess I don't yeah. know. Even for me, I mean, but look, it was like this is the first time I opened it, and I got this thing on launch. But I was kind of like, oh, this is cool. I'm not going to use it yet. And I kind of just put it on the shelf. So. Cool to have. I mean, I don't Absolutely. blame you at all. Yeah. All I right. Do, I do need to give it a shot at one point, though. Real quick, we're gonna go roll through um, two, one to two, depending on how you want to respond, Danny. First of all, Katsu Kyogen, light theme or dark theme ID. Um, I love a, a good dark theme on the ID. I don't dark theme all the things. Um, I, I like a good balance. Depends on what it is. Um, I use IntelliJ for most of my development, and I really prefer the Darkula uh, theme for that. Although, IntelliJ just announced that they have custom theme support that can actually be installed as a plugin, essentially. So who knows? Maybe I'm going to change it up. Maybe I'll try some new stuff. But I do like a dark theme. I think it helps. It's, it's a little bit easier on my eyes when I code for like eight hours straight. Mm -hmm. um, the second one, feel free to answer this if you want. Curious, how'd you get in the IT field, Danny? Did you have a tech degree or a computer science degree? Just curious because I want to get into it, but don't know how. So for the shit I do, I, I did get a four-year degree. I have a degree in management information systems. It wasn't even computer science. I initially did computer science. And I guess one thing that I'm just going to tell people, because like I wish someone told me this, if you're generally good with computers and technology, like I consider myself to be good with that, computer science has nothing to do with that. Like mm -hmm. I have met fantastic coders who fuck up installing a stick of RAM. Meanwhile, on the flip side, I've met people who have done insanely awesome things with, you know, customization, setup, and just Windows configuration, things like that. And they barely know how to code a print statement. Mm -hmm. So really the, the only two thing, like two things, computer science and being good with tech or just tech in general have in common is that you need a computer to code. That yep. That's about it. That's my opinion on that. Um, yeah, but, I, I would agree. I mean, it depends on kind of what you want to do, too. Um, if you want to get into coding or something like that, don't let a degree, like, don't wait for a degree to get started into it. Um, do see it. Like, goes. do it as a hobby. Yeah. Start on it as soon as you can. Um, if, you, if you, you know, have the means to go to college for it and whatnot, uh, whether it's time or money or both, uh, it's not going to hurt. You know, I got a degree. I got a four-year degree as well. Um, Was yours computer science? Uh, computer information systems. Okay. So, gotcha. Which is... Um, 
kind of the cousin of it or close enough. Right, except we <laughs> didn't go as low level. Like, I didn't learn about, like, literally building operating systems or, like, gotcha. learning about, like, you know, and I know computer science from... did have stuff like that. Like, yeah. you would kind of build your own SO. You really learned how the OS so worked. I learned a lot about coding from there. I learned, I did a, had a lot of, like, networking and database classes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was a little bit more... Um, practical for i guess the field that you know i'm in right now mm-hmm. um like i said i'm not a low-level embedded systems kind of guy i'm not looking to optimize kernels and you know make revolutionary strides in that part of technology uh, but maybe you would find a passion in that you know you never know mm-hmm. um so is a degree necessary i would say absolutely not in the technology field can it help sure i've still been at jobs where they like if you're willing to spend the money and the time on it it, it can definitely get your I mean, not even foot in the door. It really just gives you a big shortcut into yeah. getting, you know, that well-paying job that you want. But you don't have to do that. And I know the other thing I want to address this because I've seen, I've seen several people get these, and I personally don't have any certifications. I have, well, I guess I have one technically, but it's not like a overall recognized tech cert, is what I can say. Because um, he was asking, is CompTIA Plus even worth it? I have been told that as of the past few years, like those CompTIA certs, like I think network plus security plus and there's one other like i think it's like the a plus cert uh i've been told that those are useless at this point like you get them now they're a waste of money like nobody is looking for to hire anyone with those certs so i would not recommend getting those from what i understand at this point if you're trying to get a job in the tech field they don't give a shit if you have those so you're just going to waste your time and money a big thing that i would recommend the most is if you're looking to get in that kind of a field um have some kind of an online portfolio, whether it's yeah. your projects, whether it's a website that you have demoing some of the stuff that you do. You know, if you're a sysadmin, try and demo some of that stuff. Have some like, you know, you know, Docker and like Ansible or like Puppet scripts or something like that uploaded. Show that you know how to hand, handle infrastructure and work with it. Um, if you're a coder, definitely put some side projects up on GitHub and stuff like that. You know, let that stuff speak. Let your work speak for itself, and I think that'll carry you the farthest. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's really important. You got to show people that you're actually doing that because prior to having experience, that's what you need to get in. And then once you get your foot in the door and you're actually working, then at that point, the other thing too, because I know there's some younger people or just people who are still in school who are listening to this, but your GPA only matters for like internships and your initial job. But like, for example, if you have like an okay GPA, let's say you get like a 2.9 or 3.0 GPA, something that's okay. Um, you get a job somewhere, you start working two or three years. At that point, that experience is so much more valuable than your GPA. And you're going to be working next to people who are smarter than you that worked at the company for 10 or 15 years and worked their way up who only had a diploma. And now they are in a position above you. In fact. And that's kind of what I was talking about with having a four-year degree. Just you, you, you don't have to get a degree to get these jobs at times, but having a degree is definitely a big shortcut. In fact, I knew a, a developer who was a pretty good developer who started in a mailroom uh, at one of the bigger tech companies in our city and worked his way out to being a coder uh, through just interest and passion and wanting to get out of that and let his work you know, show for himself. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that is actually probably a pretty good note to end on. Yeah, for sure. Well, should we start wrapping this up? Hell yeah. I need to use the bathroom and all that. I'm surprised you didn't go during the show. Yeah, I'm feeling it right now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm seeing uh, right at the end, someone asks about Stadia. I don't want to take that right now. I'm sorry. You just, you got in and asked it at the point where we're wrapping up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Ask us next month. Hopefully we'll have more details on pricing and all that and we can talk about it. Right. 
Yeah. I think it would probably be more valuable to wait. My very quick take on it is it will be, I don't support it for the game preservation type side of things. True. It looks cool. I will try it. I think it will be great if it works as it was advertised, but I know it's not going to work as it was advertised and it's not going to be that seamless because we are not ready for it. We also don't live in (laughs) Silicon Valley with fiber everywhere. We may have fast internet, but not everyone does. And if you're talking about this whole take a game and play it anywhere, that's not realistic, I think, right now. Mm-mm. But I think it's also good that they're getting ahead of the technology. Yeah. So. 8K scaling! Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, should we wrap it up and sign off? Yes, absolutely. Devin, where can people find you online? Twitter, YouTube, Paranoid Coder. I keep saying I'm going to upload a video. My life's been, like, so balls to the walls lately with, like, moving. and. Ew. Yeah, I know, right? It's pretty nasty. But <laughs> also, moving, I, I, I just, I hate moving. Yeah. Moving, work has been crazy. Thank goodness I love my job because otherwise I'd be in agony. But, you know, sometimes you still got to work a lot even if it's a good job. Yeah. So it's been, it's, it's been, it's been heavy. But, you know, it's good. So YouTube, Twitter, Paranoid Coder, definitely that's the best place to find me. Mm-hmm. And I'll have his links down below in the YouTube description once this is all live and ready to go. And all. I think it's already there. Anyways, of course, you can find me, Mr. Mario 2011. I'm primarily on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, of course. If you're wanting to listen to this podcast, this podcast is available. Just search for Mod Chat on most podcasting platforms. I know we're not on all of them, but most of the major ones, the apps and all that, we're definitely there. So you can check it out if you want the audio version. Uh, Again, the video version does go live on my channel after the stream is done and processed and all that fun stuff. Uh, And finally, uh, if you're one to come out to the streams, again, we typically do them on a Wednesday at 7 p.m. somewhere in the middle of the month. So just kind of keep an eye out on the channel when I announce them. I try and do them on Twitter as well, too. And finally, there is a Discord. Uh, So if you check out the links in the description, I do have a link directly to my Discord. Even if you don't really want to participate there, there is a tag every single time I announce a new mod chat and every single time a new video goes up. So you will get tagged and we're... We are very conservative on the use of the here and the everywhere tag. So if you're worried about getting spammed all the time, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say 95% of the time outside of the raid that happened last time, but mm-hmm. 95% of the time we really only use them for a big announcement or for a video dropping. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're all good on that front. Sounds good, man. Cool. Wrap it up, then. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for listening and watching, everyone. It's been much appreciated. Until next month. See you guys later.